everybody, and welcome to episode 497 of Video Game Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Raparez, coming to you from the Sarah V Memorial Studio of the Airwaves. If you want our memorial studio to honor you, go to patreon.com slash lasertime and join us at the $20 level. Who's joining us now? Incompetent but electable, Chris Santista. And gray checkmark, Matthew Allen. <laughs> <laughs> and special guest... If elected, will not serve Dan Amrick. Hey! Oh, hey, there you go. I should say, we were joking about it. If you didn't hear 302010, I did have COVID last week. I did not know it at the time. Yeah, I probably yeah, yeah. shouldn't have recorded. Congratulations! <laughs> my, my voice is recovering. <laughs> yes, that was my first time. Uh, yeah, and I used that time to quit nicotine, so I'm going light in the drinky and just feel nuts right now, and my voice sucks. Bear with me, people. But Dan is here. Dan always makes us a good show, and I'm pressure, pressure. No, I'm just here to help you completely go off the rails. No, yeah. no, no, no. He, well, he quit. He quit nicotine, but he's addicted to nicotine. Nicotineline. It's <laughs> oh, a community Barack joke. From several years ago. Wow. I don't know. What That's that a was. recent reference to you. I just realized. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it is to me. Because um, one, uh, Dan has th- th- this awesome thing i've been dying to talk more about coming up and release it with atari 50 but also you had to like that weird owl movie from last weekend come on oh my god Mm. like it was so great and i I gotta i gotta call out a friend of mine who was like when they saw the trailer they're like i don't know i mean doesn't it looks like they're playing it really straight i I think it's gonna be unfair to to make people think that this is the actual history. And I'm like, no, the whole thing is also a parody. They're like, yeah, yeah but they're not saying yes. that it's a parody. I'm like, I think it will be evident when we see the final product. <laughs> yes. And then, if, yes. yeah, I just, I peed myself laughing all the way through. So, what's your dream? I want to make up words to other people's songs. I'm just like, I can relate. Um, so, it took yeah. so many turns I, I didn't expect. And what, I, what nobody told me, which would have sold a little better, this is written by Weird Al. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah. It is yeah. to movies what his songs are Absolutely. to other yeah, songs. He's paid very concept. close attention to a lot of things, and he's going to send up this style or genre very well. He's very, right. very yeah. good at genre. I, I heard a lot of Dewey Cox comparisons, and mm-hmm. I'm like, well, yeah. It, like it's, that's... it's sort of, but it, it, it goes just a little further than that in ways oh, yeah. that I, I can't even spoil mm. yet. It's so Props yeah. to Weird Al. Two movies of his now. Where there's been buff version of Weird Al. First the bodysuit, right, in UHF, and yeah, now right. with this, like, the ripped six-pack abs version. Yeah, that's just stage. Daniel Radcliffe. That's how he's... That's just Daniel Radcliffe shaped. being yeah. ripped. Yeah. Well, yeah. It being Harry skinny, Potter casts a spell on those abs. I, I know yeah, Dan Harry, has to has Harry to be Squatter to... doesn't skip leg day. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's in the trailer so much. Rain Wilson as... Dr. Demento. Ho- Doctor yeah, Demento, yeah. but portrayed as like Hollywood gadfly and like yes. Fly. <laughs> yes. If you grew up listening to Doctor Demento, you you may assume he's never been to a party in his life. Let he's alone one of let, us. <laughs> he's definitely one of us. Let alone oh, the yes. suave member of the L.A. music scene. Right. It's such a fucking cool thing. Yeah, to do. everything is just played to the ridiculous opposite of what everybody is. <laughs> yes. right. And right. there's and it's like everybody from L.A. like comedy royalty. Paul F. Tompkins shows up. Conan yeah. O'Brien shows up. You might not this recognize is... them showing up, but like, yeah, there's just so many people from the LA comedy scene that Al hangs out with all the yeah. time that like he just like you get a role and you get a role and you get a role. Well, this is one and of those I fantastic. feel like if you're not in this movie or you weren't asked to be in this movie and you were an LA comic, you might take offense. You might be oh, like, yeah. oh my god, <laughs> like I'm not funny. how come I didn't get a call? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's fantastic. Thank you for bringing uh, it up. You're, you're listening totally to Weird, it. the Al Yankovic Apocalypse. Stop uh, it. Dan's done a lot of great sure. stuff with us yeah. with pa- parody songs, Palette Swap Ninja, Hero Falls. Again, that Thank the you. laser time we did a year or two ago about like the, the casual history of the parody song was so much fun. Thanks. I still have those Spotify playlists. If anybody wants yeah. to go back, you can still hear them. It was a lot of fun to put together and think about. And the funny thing is, Dan Radcliffe is a huge Tom Lehrer fan. Right. And, mm. and Wait, Tom Lehrer was one of Al's primary influences. And, yes. and I listened. I did not date during high school because I was listening to Tom Lehrer. And that will make sure that everybody <laughs> stays away from you. I, I was first in line to that Alan Sherman musical. Or, oh, there you! Oh my God! Yeah. Oh, the Alan Sherman musical. But yeah, I, I, when when people are like, "What is Daniel Radcliffe doing playing Weird Al?" I'm like, "Oh, you don't know." Like they bonded over Tom Lehrer ages ago. He can he can recite the entire Elements song. You know, like the, that Dan Radcliffe just likes funny music. You know. Yeah. So, and, anyway. And, uh, anyway, because I had an idea long like a little while ago, in both in terms of the uh, Facebook fifteen hundred dollar. Uh, headset and the whatever those new video cards were that were like hella expensive. The, I was the like, 4090s. The 4090s. 4090s. Yeah, sure. it, that sounds yes. like the, a mullet I had in the 80s. Uh, but <laughs> but it, 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 we, I was trying to think of like adjusted for inflation, what is the most expensive this and that for games and it took us a while mm-hmm. to settle on what we wanted to talk about. But having Dan along for that, because I know you know you were in the press for longer than we were and yeah. and, and, and Wait, Michael, is there any Atari stuff on the list? Yes! Okay. Well, sort of. Because that's, that, um, that's, that's the stuff I'm super unclear on. The, the, here, the era of Atari that's super, that used to be super hard to emulate back in the day. Mm-hmm. And, right. And, and uh, that's the stuff I wanted to hear about. Oh, we're going to well, be talking find, about... You can't find wood paneling like that anymore. That's true. <laughs> that's, true. that's true. You cannot emulate the wood paneling anymore. That's true. Uh, it's it's a lost technology. So when, when you pitched this to me, I was talking to somebody else about it, and they pointed out... Uh, actually, our friend Seabake, Chris Baker, mm-hmm. and he Seabake? he pointed out that, like, you know what would make a really good fit for that list is the Atari 2600, a.k.a. the VCS. Because when mm. it debuted... In 1977, it did so for the princely sum of $199, and you might think, that is not very much for a video game console, especially at a time when video game consoles are fairly rare. That is $100 less than the Switch 40 years earlier. (laughs) That Mm. is a significant chunk of change. Yes. Adjusted for inflation, uh, $199 in 1977 carried the same purchasing power as $974.67 does today. Like, mm-hmm. that is a decent computer today, and that's what the Atari 2600 represented in 77. That's it was a, a revolutionary absolutely. piece of technology. It's a down payment on yeah. a new Datsun. I'm not sure what you... Well, it was, it was also in an era we were talking about, we were looking... This went, We went down a rabbit hole of really old systems, and we were like, man, a lot of these felt they needed to portray themselves as personal computers in addition yes. to gaming yes. systems. Yes. And it was pre-crash, right? It, it wasn't like, hey, I'm Nintendo, I'm trying to backdoor... A game console system. It's like no, like so many commercials were like, you can also do basic on How this. You yeah. I, I'm like, Hawkeye, and this does everything for me. I look at all my. <laughs> oh my god, yes, Alan Alda was a pitchman for Atari back in the day. I mean, honestly, like uh, first of all, I didn't realize, I didn't know how much anything was when I was like, when I was asking my parents right. to buy me a 2600. I'm eight or nine years old, right? And I'm not aware that it's the equivalent of nine hundred dollars, but That's it took a couple nuts. of years for it to finally appear. You know. 
Um, that, that, but that, yeah, like are we that was into the first computer in a lot of people's houses. Are we segueing to the, the game Dan's working on? Wait, hang on, hang on, hang okay. on. I just want to uh-huh. let, let's dwell on this for a second longer because okay. I I went and I looked back at old commercials and I found one of the <gasps> earliest Atari mm-hmm. commercials from '77. This is how Atari was sold to what our parents' generation, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Attention shoppers. <laughs> The new Atari cartridge game is in. Excuse me. <laughs> Uh-oh. George again. <laughs> Atari's ASD battle. It comes with 27 games, but that's just for starters. You can get nine cartridges, 187 games. Ooh, blackjack. <laughs> oh! I'd like an Atari. Sorry. Only our demonstrators left. Mine! No, George. Mine. The new video computer system by Atari. More games, more fun. Uh, George is a middle-aged, very excitable gentleman with a receding hairline who's just clinging to the thing the whole time and is very excited to get a blackjack cartridge. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Fucking, <laughs> fucking casino games still driving people over 50 into video games. Look at the mobile market. <laughs> what I loved about the early Atari games was they would say, you know, like, Air Sea Battle, there's there's 57 games or there's 47 games or whatever the hell they just said. I have no yeah. idea. I have not memorized like, it. Like, it that... launched with nine games, but but they had, like, different settings, so they counted each of those right. settings the as setting. a separate as game. As an individual game. So, yeah. like, right. you know, Blackjack might have 12 games, but it would, like, would be Blackjack against the computer, Blackjack against a human. Or blackjack with Blackjack against modes. the computer with yeah. low wages. Blackjack <laughs> against a human with low wages. It was like it was just what we would call options. On a red background. You know? Yeah. Yeah, options mm-hmm. or yeah. modes, right? Wasn't yeah. wasn't Pong one of the first to do that? Like Pong had some weird settings you you could play it differently, or was it the opposite? They have nothing. Uh there was actually no Pong cartridge. There was right, it was right. Video Olympics and then Sears put it out as Pong Sports. Mm. Um and yeah, that had like that had hockey, that had multiple paddles on each side, that had foosball where you had some some of your paddles were over the center line. So mm-hmm. that had something stupid like 120 games in it. But of those, probably 6 or 7 were legitimate variations of right. like this is hockey, this is street hockey. I don't know how they defined the difference there and this, um, but this is weirdly video olympics is not one that we did in atari 50 and this is what i'm so excited about because for people i think our age a little younger than dan or at least whatever i, I i'm the only cuspy millennial here games were exclusively for arcades i'm i'm i click awake well after the crash games are exclusively for arcades and then in 1988 in florida a little later than everywhere else the nintendo starts to creep in and overtake every kid's imagine and i remember my parents were like you get one video game system and i'm going through a toys r us catalog the atari's still being sold and i'm and oh yeah you know, it's under 50 bucks. yeah and i was like i yeah, was like mom dad cheap, it's under yeah. 50 bucks and they're like that sounds great and i went to school and like dude i saw this thing called an atari that's way cheaper than nintendo i can get so many games and i remember like my <laughs> friend like jacked me up against the backstop <laughs> like, you do not what because he had an older brother he, he like you do not that's, ask for an atari that's what you i was know? gonna say is you this is a totally different story than me. Where like, yeah, if you had an older sibling in the yes. early eighties or whatever, it's like they they knew better and they knew like that's yeah. the old thing. Man. Eventually, like, eventually, my aunt started to date someone. I'm ten; she's in college, and I saw Atari there for the first time. And I spent, the, you know, the next couple of years of my gaming life finding some at convenience stores, but those you know those compilations that would come out on PlayStation, especially PS2 and the handhelds, I would buy all of those, but like Atari's still kind of a blind spot. And like, uh, mm. and, and, and I, I just, I love hearing Dan and 
about projects like this because for me it's like the Atari 50 is more than just a compilation of games it's like this criterion set of silent films or these yeah. things that happened that went on to inspire the things I grew up liking that have never been given like a really great presentation before have we established that Dan a- worked on Atari 50 yes okay I, yeah, I guess I guess we should. Yeah, yes. I, I. Sorry, Atari Fifty, okay. Dan. What's that? Well, so first of all, yay! Out this week, by ev- the way. Yeah, it's coming out. Uh, by the time you hear this, it should be available digitally and physically. Uh, it's on pretty much every platform known to man, including uh, it's coming out for Atari VCS, the new console that Atari is. Oh wow! Really? <laughs> really? Yeah, which yeah, which makes it completely awesome that like that exists. Yeah, it's it's on. Yeah, it's on everything. Wow. So, uh, yeah. This is very much more like a lot of people dismissed it. I went to Portland Retro Gaming Expo this year and demoed the game. And mm-hmm. that is a hardcore community that wants physical right. objects, right? So we're showing mm-hmm. like a game that isn't out yet. They can't buy it yet. Uh, and they a lot of people just looked at it and went, ah, oh, 2,600 games. I've already got well, all of those and mm-hmm. walked right, on. Right, because I have, a, I have a ton of 2,600 games that oh, are yeah. just like a no-frills compilation, greatest hits album. Yeah, or a, or a flashback console. You know, yeah. something. But the thing is, none of these things come with any context. Why are these games on here? Is it just what you were yeah. able to license? Yeah. How do you even play some of these? Like, the instructions aren't clear in a lot of these things. So no. the whole thing here, it's it's... Think of it like an interactive documentary. You used the word Criterion, Chris, and that's exactly like that's our that's one of our inspirations is the way that Criterion treats film. Digital Eclipse wants to treat games, and you know, like the the first. I I worked with them on the 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 Disney Afternoon. I worked with them on the Disney Afternoon collection. That's why I like shout it to the heavens. It was that was meant to be like not just not just a re-release of old games, but this this archival. This if you were putting in a time capsule and you wanted people to understand why this was made. Yeah, right. Historical and, context is really one of the key phrases for yeah. this whole project. Yeah, and that's what those collections have always needed. And like the word got overused, but you guys are truly an anthology collection where you contextualize yeah. like the stuff in there. Versus, unfortunately, yeah. that word in like a few generations ago, like yeah, just throw twenty five games together and call it anthology, and you're done. It's like, well, no, like right. I want, I want to see the manual art for these things. I want to, I want to know the making behind the scenes making of stories. Which Not just the manual art, but the of. concept art. We, yeah, we have interviews with the creators. Yeah, this. I mean, like we don't even call it a collection. We 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 intentionally called this Atari Fifty the Anniversary Celebration, so that mm-hmm. because people when they hear collection, they just go bag of ROMs. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. And and you <laughs> it's know, a celebration, bitches. Yeah, but. <laughs> Like we we had a so I was I I joined Digital Eclipse back in February like I left Ubisoft mm-hmm. at the end of the year and and uh, or beginning beginning of the year actually it was just yeah uh, in January and then I come on and part of the 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 pitch for me joining was like you know what you'd be really good on this Atari project uh, and he goes and don't take this the wrong way but you were alive when these games came out <laughs> like my my boss is Chris Kohler and he's like one of yeah. the world's foremost Nintendo experts. But he absolutely is a Nintendo expert, and he's 10 years younger than me. Mm-hmm. So mm. he knows the Atari stuff, but I lived the Atari stuff. Yeah. So yeah. I came on, and I'm closer in age to Mike Micah, who is our studio head and our president. And uh, he was like, yeah, you know, like, you understand, like, if I say fire truck, you don't have to think. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, fire truck. Oh, my God, that was the first co-op two-player game, and Atari did it in the arcades, and it never came <laughs> out officially for home. And he's like, right. So I, I walk in. And I'm basically, I'm the first extension of Chris as our editorial director. He's mm-hmm. in charge of what is the narrative of these, these collections? What, are we, what is the story we're trying to say and how can we say it? 
So uh, a lot of my work was I interviewed the people because I was available. Chris was finishing up on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Cowabunga collection, which was a really good in-depth example of the kind of stuff that DE can do. And then we're like, oh, man, this is going to be this killer one-two punch because Atari 50, we just went... We, we've we never done anything this big. You know, like, Turtles was 13 games. Street Fighter was a dozen games. Street Fighter 30th Anniversary Collection. Yeah. SNK was, like, uh, 12 or 13 games. This the is more than... Collection was five. Yeah, five. <laughs> and, you know, like, we can handle five, you know? Like, you, you yeah. only need one engineer. We had four engineers on this thing, which is crazy, uh, because we had 100 games, and six of those are brand new. That, that are just for this. So very cool. my brand work on new this, Atari games, brand new Atari games. If you can imagine, so I brand new, a like lot unreleased of, or literally no, like brand no. I mean, new. like we have a couple of things that were unreleased. We have Maze Invaders for arcade, which was uh, Ed Log uh, worked on that game, and it never came out. Uh, we have Aka R, which uh, is a very strange. It's sort of a prototypical tower defense game, but it tested poorly, so it never got beyond, like, three arcade cabinets. Hmm. Uh, and we have Millipede for 5200, which was done and pretty what? good, but uh, the Tremiel said, no, we're done. Kill it. Because right. uh, it, was, it was during the downturn of, and that's, the, of the thing. That was the most exciting thing I heard, which, which was messaged clearly, but I, I, when I tell people about this, it's not one of those, hey, here's the best of Activision's games on the 2600. Like, no, no, no. We mean yeah. Atari... Atari's whole repertoire yeah. from arcade. There's a Jaguar games on here. Yeah. This is the oh, yeah, first yeah. time that Jaguar has been officially emulated in a commercial project. Wow. Uh, Rich Whitehouse was our engineer. He wrote this from scratch. Like, this is not based on whatever you can download. There's a virtual Jaguar emulator out there. We smoke it. Like, forget nice. it. It's like, it's insane. There's a custom Lynx emulator in here. We got oh, a lot of games. Uh, we did you got get Todd's Adventures in Slime World? We do not have Todd's Adventures in Slime Board. If you, if you could start, I mean, honestly, the licensing on this was trickier than you can right. possibly imagine. Can we actually, man. yeah, it's just, but yeah, there's seven platforms, arcade through Jaguar. We have wow. some 7,800 games that I think people are actually going to enjoy because it's not seen as a competitor to the NES. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to keep in mind, this stuff was coming out in like 88, 90, and mm-hmm. the 7,800 just couldn't deliver the way the NES did, and the NES had all of the, the steam. But it was like, Hey, we've got an NES answer. Here's our 8-bit system. There's so, a game so, called Ninja Golf that I've got to tell you. Like, this is the funniest <laughs> game. It's exactly what it sounds like. You tee off, and then you fight other ninjas as you run to your ball, and you wow. fight gophers that oh. are trying to kill you. I thought Ninja Golf just made you cheat thing. on the slide like Donald Trump. No, 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 no. You are actually a ninja, ninja. And, and you are showing your ninja skills. We love the golf, don't we? We love the ninjas. <laughs> Nobody notices when I do <laughs> that. Yeah. Uh, for, for the new games you were talking about, though, like, so... Are those mapped to a particular generation, though? Is like, hey, these no, look like 2,600 is, games? or No, the the team was told... So Mike Micah, again, is our our, our, our president. He's he's the guy that did DK Pauline, the Donkey Kong, where he swapped out Pauline. Uh, if you remember, there was a big thing. He was right. the Donkey Kong dad from several years ago. Um, he's out there slinging code all the time, plus he's our president. So he's like the busiest man there. Thank God he can get oh, by code. five hours sleep. Mm, got it. Code, code. yes. Like, he's okay. actually programming a bunch of stuff. So his... His challenge to the the engineers was, we're going to do this old school. You know, at Atari, one person did everything. You were in charge of the game. Maybe you would have a friend help you with art, you know, Mm. but uh, you were responsible for the design, the implementation, all the coding. He said, pick something from the games that we know are going to be in the collection 
And that, you know, that that list went through a lot of revisions based on what we felt was important because it is curated. Mm -hmm. The games that are in there help us tell this larger story of Atari's history and impact in creating this entire industry, their their mistakes, their 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 triumphs, everything. And he said, I want each of you to just you own it. You do that game. So we had one guy, Jason Cirillo, who did Whoa Dave, if you remember the PSP platform game Whoa Dave. I didn't know that was him. I've been wow. working with him for eight months, and I went, "You're the guy behind Whoa, Dave!" You know, wow. Uh, he <laughs> loves, feels very passionately about Super Breakout for the 5200. That was a really important game. So he did a new version of Breakout called Neo Breakout. And as he's doing this, he's like, "Hey, if anybody wants to make Breakout levels, uh, here's a a level designer." You can go ahead and, and contribute some. And I I wound up doing like a third of the levels because they let me. You know, <laughs> wow. and I'm like, oh my god, this is so great. I'm making break. It's not my game at all, but I was just so happy to contribute. I'm like, hey, I think I figured oh, I, I did the one that's funny. Like we made a funny picture. Oh, this one's based around the strategy of having extra balls that release over the course of the you know. And I'm just having a, I'm pr- pretending to be a game designer now, right? Mm. One of the other guys, uh, Jeremy Williams, who you may know from Tested and mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Will Smith gang there. Um, Jeremy loves vector games with all of his heart. So Asteroids and Tempest and Space Duel. So he did this awesome mashup called Vector Sector, which takes levels from each of those games and recontextualizes them as a twin stick shooter. I, it's it's kind of my favorite game in the thing, and it's it's probably the it, most accessible. Um, I know so this yeah. story is true because I've seen the man. He doesn't have eyeballs anymore. They've been burned out. He just oh, has empty yeah, sockets with burn marks. Like, I, yeah, I played a vector machine about. I played a vector machine about two weeks ago. It hurt. You're my not ready. So it's so fantastic. bad. You're not ready. You can adjust the glow. You can adjust the glow in in in, yeah. in Atari Fifty. You, you've heard what all the conservatives say. The light bulbs they don't even work anymore. They're so they don't even work so, anymore. Yeah. Not even vivid. The <laughs> level of detail and the and the amount of love that's gone into it. Like the reason that I was a fan of Digital Eclipse before I worked here was because they don't do anything halfway. Like we're going to show you absolutely everything. We're going to do everything that we can possibly do. So to be there on the front lines, mm-hmm. and again, like, you know, I was not involved. I was I was asked for feedback on games, and I gave feedback on games. Most of what I did, I'm scanning in the original manuals. I'm scanning in the Wait, boxes. That was that was my favorite thing of Dan being the perfect person <laughs> for this. It was on his social media. One of your friends who's way more familiar with Atari games than me, and like, oh, man, remember this comic that was ba- that was based on this Atari game? And I'm like, I have no idea what he's talking about. But I clearly see, is there a hidden message in there? What's this about? And you're like... Not only do we have those comics scanned in the game, they're my personal. <laughs> yeah. Dan's personal were... comics are scanned and remastered into Wait, the game. Wait, is that Atari Force? No. Well, uh, I, we did scan in Atari Force, uh, and then I could not. We could not get the the permission to put it in there. But let me put it. this in in yeah, context. I, didn't know, I love everything about this. <laughs> there was this series that Atari did in the '80s called Sword Quest, and it was some mm. of the first action adventure games. It was an RPG with an action mini games in it and there was a puzzle that you had to solve and the puzzle was only solvable if you also read this mini DC comic that came with it and we're talking like uh, Jerry Conway uh, George Perez like these were the top tier DC creators in the 80s and they're doing this goofy little promotional comic but they've come up with this big sword and sorcery story about twins that are going through uh, different myth- mythical realms like the Zo- all the rooms of the Zodiac, you know, and all the signs mm. of the Zodiac and the Kabbalah and the Tree of Life and stuff like that. And all of this is going on. And the idea is that there's a hidden message that you have to decode, a, a puzzle in each of these games. And if you win, you get called to Atari for a big playoff contest. And then if you win the contest, you win an actual piece from the Franklin Mint 
with that is worth $25,000, like a talisman wow. or a chalice or a crown. And this is a big idea because guess or what? Warner, the Oasis? Or... <laughs> no, well, cl- close. I mean, yeah, like it's these kinds of ideas that wound up inspiring Ernie Klein. Yeah. But um, who's also in your DC city? at the time? Warner owned Atari, right. DC Comics, and mm. the Franklin Mint, so it became an all in the family oh. thing. So, Earthworld is the first one. Each there's one after each of the elements, right? So, Earthworld comes out. It's a big hit. It's a big seller. They oh, they award the talisman. Kid from Michigan wins it great second game comes out Fireworld. it's not as good the mini games are impossible um somebody wins it okay the industry crashes water world is in development they have to get it out they get it out they sell it privately just to members of the atari club newsletter but by law they have to have this contest and there's supposed to be a golden crown that the franklin mint has made the franklin mint has made it it has to be awarded by the by law so we don't know who won the crown or if they even took the crown because you had the option right. as the winner to go for a cash prize. But the first two things are given, and the person that won the chalice says it's in a safe deposit box. They still have it. The fourth game is Airworld. Never comes out. Everybody's like, where's Airworld? They're like, sorry, man. The industry crashed. We're toast. Uh, forget it. There's supposed to be a master sword where the four people that win the four games would compete in a special game just for this sword of ultimate sorcery and that's worth fifty thousand dollars and rumors go around that the new guy that buys it jack tramell who owned commodore and then later bought atari when warner sells they sell to jack tramell oh the sword is over jack tramell's mantle and i'm like oh that sucks right Hmm. so i do the research as part of this because guess what day one i show up and they're like okay we're having an atari 50 meeting I walk into the Digital Eclipse conference room, which, by the way, the table is a giant piece of glass held up by two cocktail arcade machines. Nice. nice. It's fantastic. And the cocktail arcade machines apparently work, but we just, you know, like they're Mm -hmm. better as a table. And they said, okay, well, uh, Dave Rees is the engineer who's doing, and Dave Rees, who some of you guys know, because if you worked at Future, he was the OXM disc editor. He also worked on on PlayStation Core way back in the day with Veronica Mm -hmm. Belmont. Um He's already built uh, in software a, a, a credible Sword Quest-looking game based mostly on Earthworld. We're going to do Airworld. Um, <laughs> Dave's got the mechanics done. He's got the mini games done. He's got like the setup based on the original creator Todd Fry's based on his notes and what hmm. he said he was going to do for Airworld. We've extrapolated that and made a functional game. But the puzzles aren't so hot. They could use some fleshing out and some testing. Dan, would you be interested? Would you be willing to do that? And, like, you could have knocked me over. And I, I literally said in that meeting, would you let me? And everybody laughs. And I'm like, no, you don't understand what an honor it would be yeah. to be able to hap- to help, like, close 40 years of this history mm-hmm. and actually bring closure to this. So I, I spent, like, the next six weeks doing, like, intensive research into Chinese mythology and desperately trying not to screw it up. And I'm like, Dave, I've got some problems with your puzzles, but here's what I think it could be. And this, and he's like, yeah, that's great. He's busy building another game called Haunted Houses, which takes the 2600 Haunted House game, uh, which was like the first survival horror game. He's got a new voxel Minecrafty looking version of that with co-op and new weapons and three houses. And he's like, yeah, yeah, just do, do whatever on Sword Quest right now. We'll get to that later, but I got to finish Haunted Houses. And I'm like, okay. And so I just go down like the the deepest rabbit hole 
But I, in, in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm helping make Airworld. Oh, my God, I'm helping Dave make Airworld, you know? And I can't say anything, but I'm waking up for work, you know? Oh, I am ridiculously happy. I'm doing the most important work in the world, and, like, five people are going to give a shit about this, right? You know, like... Oh, I hated those games. They were so hard, and uh, you know, and you're oh, you're not even giving away like a twenty five thousand dollar piece of gold. Well, what the hell, you know? So I think yeah. I know who won the gold crown. What <laughs> <laughs> am I going to melt down to pay for my college? Right, One yeah. of the guys did that. <laughs> yes, literally. Why do you the, think the, I said that? <laughs> yeah, the guy with the talisman had to pay. He he kept the the precious jewels. He had those mm-hmm. removed, but he melted down the gold and paid for some of his college student debt. So uh, the sword, it turns out, I start asking around because I'm doing interviews with people. And I'm like, so what do you know about Sword Quest? You know, one of the guys there is the creator of Sword Quest, Todd Fry. Howard Scott Warshaw, he was there at the same time. He's a guy behind Yara's Revenge. He tells me a little about Sword Quest. Jerry Jessup is like, yeah, I went over to Jack Tramell's house several times. Oh, And I'm like, do you remember seeing anything over his mantle? Because the rumor is that the sword was at Jack's house. And he's like, yeah, I was there for holiday parties all the time. No, I never saw that. That that was not over his. That was not over his mantelpiece. It was artwork over his under his pillow. (laughs) We think, and I don't know because it's just going to be one of those things that nobody's ever going to know unless the right person from the Franklin Mint steps forward. We believe that the sword was probably returned to the Franklin Mm. Mint and melted down to make other Franklin Minty things. So, so yeah, the takeaway is I got to help with the puzzles, and you guys know what a big puzzle Mm -hmm. nerd I am. Um, this is an absolute dream. Hopefully people will not be cursing my name and they will find the puzzle fun to solve. But I worked with Dave and Dave gave me a lot of creative leeway. It was his baby, but he's like, no, this is totally great. I like what you've done here. And he just basically implemented everything that I had suggested that we implement. So it's, uh, it's amazing. And again, like this is not an easy game. There is no save state in this game. It's ridiculous. You have to... You have to go all the way. You just have to play it all the way through. You have to figure it out. If you turn it off, it resets. This was all part of Dave's like, no, we got to do We got to do it like a real Sword Quest game would be. There's no save states on the Atari 2600. Um, you can actually, it defaults to a visual mode that makes it look like it's running on 2600 hardware with the dropped frame rate and everything. Or you can run it in 60 frames a second if you want. So like, it's those like crazy things. So yeah, that's one of the six original games is finally Airworld. And it's been so great because we really started talking about it just this week on social media. So, you know, we've got this little trailer that shows different parts of the game and people are like, wait, what? You know, so and I'm like, hey, like this was announced, you know, months ago, but people didn't notice until this week. And now seeing people get really excited about it. And of course, our friends at Atari, you know, we're co-publishing this with Atari. Atari's like, well, this is such a great story, man. 40 years have gone by. Uh, yeah. th- th- this is now this now has the record for the longest game between announce and ship. You know, this beats Duke oh, Nukem forever. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. You know, so, you know, so, yeah, it's it's been it's been absolutely a joy, even though a lot of what I did was like. You know, hey, scan in these manuals or or do these interviews. You know, getting to interview. This is insane. I'm cleaning up my home office this week, and I picked up this piece of paper. I'm like, is there anything important on here? Oh, Al Alcorn's phone number is on here. Oh, Al Alcorn is the inventor oh, okay. of Pong. He was Atari's right. Atari's employee number three. Wow. Like Al was there for wow. it, right? And like, not only did I get a chance to interview him in person, but he called me a couple of weeks later. He goes, I just want to, I want to clarify some of the stuff we talked about. I'm like, sure thing, Al. Let me get on the phone with Al. Al, oh my God, you know. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's been a very surreal year for me. And this is absolutely one of the most fun and exciting things that I've gotten to work on yeah. ever. And I really feel like I have a lot of skin in the game. And 
you know, I got to be part of the decisions and I got to be part of this team. Everybody on this team was like so insanely passionate about, no, we're going to fucking do it right. I felt bad giving negative feedback saying, you know what? This isn't quite right. And I got pulled aside quickly, said, no, whatever's good. Fuck egos. Whatever is good for the product. You got to do like this has got to be the best thing that we've ever done. You you don't spare some. Be, don't be a jerk about it. But don't be afraid to give negative feedback and say, I think this can be better because if it can be better, we need to make it better. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm in the yeah, promised yeah. land. You know, like, so, I, it's can, great. This is the most excited I've been for a compilation. I mean, I don't want to say Disney Afternoon because that was just like a very limited handful of games. Like Rare Replay was like that, like, yeah, that hardware spanning, uh, just right. Cur- uh, 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 the story of a studio like I thought that was super fucking interesting like a that's, great way yes see that's the key like if it, it, people they say they want the old games and of course for the Atari if you're a gamer of a certain age yeah. uh, you've already got all the Atari games that you want like I've still got a Rubbermaid bin of, of loose 2600 cartridges and uh, Jude Kelly the other half of Palette Swap Ninja yeah. is currently rebuilding two 2600s for me wow. uh, so that I can still play on original hardware that's great for me but that's because I remember how to play these games Having context to understand why the yeah. games are important. Rare did it really well, and you're like, well, this is the Rare story, and it's illustrated through games. That's the only other thing that I can think of right off the bat. I'm Maybe in television, Spectrum, and I don't hate it. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, seven platforms, more than 100 games, but mostly we made a conscious decision. In the past, if you've played any of Digital Eclipse's games, there's like, here's the games, and here's the museum. And I was really hired to be on that museum team, right? I'm right. like a curator for for this, and I help Chris with the with the research and and tracking down stuff. And we made a conscious decision in the spring not to split it. We actually, when you load up the game, it's the timelines, these historical timelines oh, that you go through, and it tells you the story. But at any point that we're telling you the story about Centipede, while you're looking at the design documents of Centipede. You can then double-click a button and go and go play the game in two clicks so that you understand why the hell Centipede is the way that it is and who did it and why. And oh, I know this sounds like I'm super biased and I'm bragging my ass off, but I really believe that this will set a bar for retro collections from now on because it's... It's just so much. I'm surprised at how deep yes. everything went. It's not enough uh, just to have the games out there. I really think that people will be surprised. Let's say you can never stop emulation. An effort like this is how you sell a product based on things containing materials well, people can get for free. Again, you can download anything. We know you can download anything. But, you know, what does it mean and how do you play it and why should you want yeah. to play it? This will hopefully fill some of that stuff in. So, yeah, I'm really hoping that this is the beginning of a new era. Well, I know we could comfortably talk about this for another but hour. But let's not. Just go out Atari and buy 50. it. It's 40 bucks How for much crying is it? out loud. It's 40 bucks. Buy Jesus. Atari 50. It's out now yeah. on pretty much every system. That's less than a dollar per game. <laughs> oh, it is. And just think about all the bonus content yet. Oh, and six of those are hidden. So have fun uh, solving the Easter egg riddles that I wrote. Ooh. Ooh. Have fun. All right. Well, there's more to this chat. Around 16 minutes more, in fact. I had to cut a bunch so we don't end up with a three and a half hour show. But you can listen to the rest by joining us at patreon.com slash laser time. You can listen to the whole uncut chat with Dan about Atari 50 there. There's a lot of really cool stuff that ended up on the cutting room floor. In the meantime, I want to take us out of this with one other Atari commercial, uh, just because I think it's funny that this is how violent video games used to be sold. And this is this is a kid talking to his grandmother, by the way. You wanna play berserk? You're on. Hey!
You can't play Berserk at home. Now you can. I'm going Berserk came with one of the Atari Force comics. One of the Atari Force comics oh, really? came free with wow. Berserk. Nice. Atari made that woman climax on that commercial right there. <laughs> you can't play Berserk at home. Atari? Trust me, I know all about the Berserk. <laughs> wow. Went Berserk on Omaha Beach in 42. <laughs> Uh, that's we my, played Atari that wrong. day, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into the actual top five. I feel like that yeah. was a very hard act to follow, but uh, we'll try. Sorry, thank you for try letting me talk up. about it. Of course. It. Of course. Um, so once again, that is the most expensive consoles ever. I feel like we, we adequately got through the Atari 2600 as a jumping off point. So let's begin with one of its competitors. Number five. Wow, it had voice. What could this be? Is it a speaking spell? You think. <laughs> that is that is a module for what uh console, Dan? I, I well, like my first thought was the MBX, the Milton Bradley expansion system for the TI 994A computer, but I'm guessing that was Intellivoice. Yes, that was Intellivoice for, for the Intellivision. Intellivision. And yes, oh, wow. Atari's main rival yeah. in the 80s. Yeah. So, Intellivision, the ballsy choice of debuting in 1980 for $299, which you'll Ooh. remember uh, at 2600 it was 199 That was already a princely sum back then. 299 US dollars would have been $1,077.21. According to uh, the USinflationcalculator.com. Wow. Imagine dropping a grand on a on a game console well, and not a video card. To be fair, right? yeah. you're paying yeah. per button on the controller. That's all that <laughs> That's is, true. that extra cost. <laughs> yeah. That's true. And uh, to get across the fact that this was intelligent television, they hired a very unorthodox pitchman. I'll try almost anything. So when Mattel Electronics asked me to compare their Intellivision games with Atari... I gave it a try. I compared Atari baseball with Intellivision and found Intellivision played much more like real baseball. Then I compared Atari football with Intellivision. Again, Intellivision played more like the real game. In my opinion, if you try them both, there's only one conclusion you can come to. Intellivision from Mattel Electronics. That is George Plimpton, a literary journalist and sporting enthusiast, described by the New York Times as a lanky, urbane man possessed of boundless energy and perpetual bonhomie. They picked him as their pitchman, and he did a series of commercials. Was that was that the joke, or, or was it like a serious attempt to be like, this is not low class? I think it was a serious attempt. Yes. That this was like you plebes with your Atari. You have no idea. The hoi polloi are playing in television <laughs> because it's intelligent television. You're playing a dumb right. console. That that was a, a a message that sold back in the day because people wanted to be seen as sophisticated. I can see why you would have thought that, Chris, though, because our version of George Plimpton, I was telling you guys, he's I'm like, oh, the Masterpiece Theater Masterpiece guy, theater. <laughs> which which was a spoof. It was it was spoofing yeah. like intelligent Masterpiece Theater, like intelligent stuff. And so in my mind, George Plimpton was 
He was sort of like a naked gun type figure. He's like, oh, this guy is for spoofing stuff. Okay, that's what you I mean, use him for. Really? Like though? I mean, but he. It, I mean, they played it straight. He mm. may have thought like, oh, how quaint, mm. you know? Right, like, right. oh yes, uh, yes, children's toys, Mattel. The yes. televisual <laughs> entertainments. Yeah, but he never, there was never a wink in that entire nope. campaign. Yeah. And I gotta tell you, Atari got their shit beat oh, by yeah. George really? Because the sports games on Atari, and, th and that's why he only talks about baseball and football. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because uh, the, the Atari sports games were very blocky, very basic. Yeah. And... Uh, Mattel colors. really did a much better version of, of doing things that looked passable as human figures. I mean, um, it, honestly, football on, a, on Atari 2600 looked like little trash cans with legs. Like, the players, it was very difficult. It was almost abstract because they were still learning how to even make that system do what it needed to do. Mm -hmm. So Intellivision just went like sports. That's their weakness. And they just beat on them. And it worked. It worked so well that two and a half, three years later, like, Atari finally said, we got to revamp the entire sports line. And then they came out with a line called Real Sports, which with was Ryan supposed Humble. to be a direct answer to Intellivision. <laughs> and Intellivision had the MLB license. I mean, like, that baseball was real Major League Baseball. Yes. So, oh, yeah, this was... World Series like, Major League Baseball. They were like the PlayStation. Were very, MLB loves very, very high. Yeah. So, the stakes were very high in the first generation of games. And, and yeah, they, they went after Atari hard when Atari made, like, this very high-profile deal to get the E.T. license. Uh, Intellivision reacted we're with... We're going to get uh, the secret of NIM license. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a bit weirder than that. Mr. Intellivision... I bet it's great doing all those Intellivision commercials. I bet you get to keep all the games. Me and my friends like Night Stalker the best. Bats are real scary. Here, your friends won't have this new one. Lock and chase. They won't believe this. Would you autograph it for me? Certainly. What's your name? My name? And it just ends with that. His name, by the way, is Henry Thomas. That is the kid who played ah! Elliot in E.T. Whoa, oh, what a coup. Okay. To shit awesome. on to shit on E.T., they hired Henry Thomas? Yeah, and, and wow. it like becomes a weird running gag that he doesn't give his name. Like it oh, it shows up so so in television it eventually had a price drop. They they put out the Intellivision 2, and yeah. they of course had a commercial to accompany that. Dear Mr. Intellivision, I'm sorry. Clinton, my friend wants an Intellivision because of those great games. His dad wants him to have the other video game because it's cheaper. Could you do something about the price? Dear, what was his name? I think I have something that'll make your friend very happy. Stand. In television too. Oh, slap on the, the people at Mattel Electronics have drastically reduced the size and price, but it plays the same great games. Your friend's father has no excuse now. But it plays them very badly and stupidly. It's no oh, longer intelligent television. Right. Also, how did you get this address? Please <laughs> use it promptly. Yours yeah, truly, the, George Plimpton. The Intellivision 2 was a redesign, you know, a cost-cutting measure sure. of can we make the Intellivision cheaper? Mm -hmm. In the same way that the Atari redesigned the Atari 2600 Junior. Mm. Uh, oh, which, sure. Which, yeah, a lot of people don't know. So, like... There's a there's a famous Atari ad. The fun is back for fifty bucks because right. they eventually got the twenty six hundred down to fifty bucks by like well after its prime. They were still yeah. selling. Well, that's like PlayStation. And that that with was the, the PS one. The, the right. twenty six hundred Junior. 
is uh, is actually my my favorite of them. And I, I Jude is putting an HDMI port on wow. mine right now. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice, nice. But nice. yeah, the Intellivision too. Like this this whole concept of like let's do an Xbox One S. You know, yeah, or let's yeah, do yeah. The, the, you know the, um, a PlayStation right, yeah. Three Slim. The value that's where line it started. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So that's where it started. Like, okay. okay, we've. We've recouped some of our investment. Now we can get some cost savings and we can expand the audience more by making it more affordable. So this is a good segue into, so Michael quoted the price in television, $299, right, Mm -hmm. at launch, right? I was looking up. I'm like, wait, you know the thing that is never coming out? Tommy Tallarico, the Intellivision Amico. Amico. Mm -hmm. So they're offering that for $249, which I'm like, Mm. wow. So the Amico, the brand new thing, is $50 cheaper than the Intellivision was at the time, but with inflation, it's like a tenth of the cost of what the yes. intelligent yeah. was. Hope arrive on time to get like Atari seventy five or something like that. <laughs> I believe in you, Tommy. I, I I did I did what I meant to say this at the beginning. Like eighty eight, the NES was very new to me. It was I, my whole world was Ninja Turtles and uh, Batman, and uh, we got ours for ninety nine dollars. For comparison, that's how much we. Like, I know it wasn't new, but it was new to us. Ninety nine dollars, sure. and we still got money from a class action lawsuit that it was too expensive. Yes. Just putting that in <laughs> that perspective. Five dollars toward the purchase yes. of a new game. Yes, genius. Uh, Ninety nine yes. bucks. Mm-hmm. Turn and your marketing lawsuit too. loss into yes, some marketing. So it's let's jump thing. ahead thirteen years to number four. Welcome back to Game Show, a presentation of Bizarnian state-run television. I am your host. Comrade host, let us continue. Contestant number one, what is the preferred method of harvesting cabbage on People's Farm Collective? I am not at liberty to say. That is correct. So that is that is one of uh, Dan's favorite games. Don't talk about on this console. Club. <laughs> that is absolutely one of my favorite games that's ever been created. What is it? And nobody's played it. Zadnost the People's Party. What? Is it, is, is this it was Zadnost or Zadnost? It has a Z. I've always, I've always called it Zadnost, mm. but it could well be like Zhivago. It is spelled yeah. that way. It's Zadnost. Uh, this was a party game on the 3DO. Yes. Uh, and oh. this is this was the first sort of video board game that I remember seeing. So it, Mario Party owes a lot to this. Uh, it's that kind of thing where you do little mini games with your friends, you roll dice, and the soundtrack is amazing. It's a hybrid of Russian music and surf music from the Fat Man, oh, the guy amazing. who, who yes. did Seventh, uh, Guest. Seventh Guest soundtrack. Wow, what yeah. an unappealing um, cover. It has... <laughs> A, oh, it's a terrible like a disapproving cover. It's, it's, Mikhail Gorbachev in the background looks like if Ace Ventura and Eric Bischoff had a baby. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a really good. Yeah, I mean, it, so, it's during the awkward bulbous '90s phase, right? Yeah. The conceit is like, yeah, you're. It's like you're flipping channels. You see that like very grim communist game show, and then in the course of its airing, there is a revolution. And everybody gets overthrown, and the leader of the revolution comes in to host a new game show. Thank you, Ray Tolstoy. Mashka, are you ready to play? <laughs> then let's round up some contestants. Right, Bob. We asked former members of the Bizarnian secret police to help us choose five eager citizens. Bring them back to our studio in our luxurious limousine so they can play our game. 
It's literally footage of them putting bags over people's head and throwing them in trunks of cars. Uh, yep. <laughs> I, I never get tired of talking about this, and I, I know I'm a broken <laughs> record, but we did a whole podcast on it because of how fascinating we found the award show Cybermania 94, when it looked like <laughs> the pivot towards games really looked like more CD-ROM interactive videos, yeah. dystopian <laughs> game shows, the, the time I've been least interested in gaming in my life. It's also clear that like Nintendo and Sega and Sony weren't really playing along. The Japanese companies weren't playing along with a lot of Western hype machines like GamePro TV, Nick Arcade, and Cybermania, right. hosted by the best tu- host duo in history, Jonathan Taylor Thomas and Leslie Nielsen. Fast friends, lots of great drinking stories. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this was... But it, yeah, this was, it, this the was exact the... game they're talking about, like a, a failed branch of a gaming evolution. Everything yeah. on 3DO. But this this was... So 3DO was a revolutionary device back in the day. It could play movies on video sure. CD in addition to games. And the games, for the time, looked really good. They took forever to load. But hey, oh, yeah. you were getting a next-gen experience. And so like it looked a lot better than, than anything on Super Nintendo or Genesis. But it was a lot more expensive. So debuted in 93... Six hundred and ninety nine dollars in dollars. Yes. So wow. what roughly one thousand four hundred and thirty five dollars and seventy seven cents today. Okay, so like I but, was gonna, the most I personally paid for a, a console and I thought it might be on the list was PS three? The like the launch PS three? Yeah, mm-hmm. five hundred and ninety nine so US dollars. And that doesn't qualify in our list at all. No, no nope. this now. Nope. Oh my god. What a bargain. Yeah. <laughs> um, the thing to remember is that the three DO was not a game console. It was as Michael said, it was called the three DO multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that was mm-hmm. the idea is this is a this plays games, but it also plays movies and it plays your audio CDs. And basically if it's on a five inch silver platter, we you throw it in and it works, you know. Yeah. So yeah, the three DO is like super expensive. Also like yeah. Uh, I should I should we, take we this. We knew one kid in our world wow. who had this, and his parents were getting divorced. I think I heard rumors of like a kid <laughs> and, at school who had. Yeah, I remember him. He was Travis. He became very very cool <laughs> all of a sudden because oh, there Travis? was a three D. So you knew yeah. Travis? Awesome. Yeah, Travis hey, y'all know Travis? Fucking, he was fucking. Cool. <laughs> I mean, I can't be one... as cool as Travis. <laughs> <laughs> I had one because I was in the press. So my my I... press unit was a loner. I had a little switch on the back. That let me play encrypted or unencrypted discs, which is to say gold discs for review. So I held on to that for years, and then during the Great Purge, when in 2010, when I was leaving for LA, mm-hmm. one of you Games Radar folks bought my 3DO test unit. I thought it was you, oh, Michael. Damn. No. I oh, I thought you're the one that wound up with it. I but yeah, when I, had... I, when I hold things in my hand across the coast, the things I took from Dan. Um, oh, was that my rad racer? Is, yeah, I got your power glove and your rad racer. <laughs> oh, damn, <laughs> son. Maybe I did because I yeah, have the 3DO. 3DO, but I was sure I got it in college. Maybe not. Okay. Well, I don't know. If it has a little toggle switch I'll, on the back that says look. encrypted, unencrypted. Yeah. Well, you the said it was a loner, thing... right? So you could ask it, and it'd be like, leave me alone. I just want to be by myself. That's right. I want to be alone. <laughs> it's it's a loner, a rebel. About... Yeah. <laughs> the coolest thing about it's the 3DO. It's a signal wolf. Especially for... For games like Zadnost, uh, which was a five-player game, there's no multi-tap, but the controllers would plug into each other. You could daisy-chain right. them for multiplayer right. games. It's still a great idea. The problem is, of course, if one of them breaks, then you know you have to, you know, the, like, all, none like of the other ones. Like fucking Christmas start. lights, exactly. <laughs> yeah, very much like Christmas lights. But it was uh, I, that made it very easy to be like, oh, you want to join here? Just boop, plug into my controller, and you only had one long control, 
you know, one long wire going to the TV or going to the, the console. It had some really good ideas, but it was prohibitively expensive. Oh, yeah. And keep in mind, this is a company formed by Trip Hawkins, who had founded EA. Right. And when he left, this was his second act. He had actually come up with a second one called the M2. And it was all going to be based around this M2 chip. Wow, the and M2. Oh, my the God. The M2. And he would he would hold, like, he'd say, oh, you want to see the M2? Here you go. And he would, like, hold out some chips in his hand. Mm-hmm. And that's what he would do at trade shows because he didn't have the hardware yet. But, oh, no, here's the M2. It's right here. It's here in my hand. Great theater, right? And I remember going and seeing him speak and do this big presentation revealing the M2 and talking about the specs and showing some early footage of the... It was clearly test footage and not playable games. And we walked in, like, the whole thing at the end was like a nothing sandwich. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so excited. And then I think I was I, I think I was working with Andy Eddy at the time, and he goes, yeah, but he didn't have anything to show. I'm like, oh, my God, you're right. You know, like, I, yeah, I bought the smoke M2. And mirrors. Uh, yeah, right there. The smoke and mirrors were enough for me because the there wasn't, like, I had had a good 3D experience. It got turned so. into like an, an educational tool for like medical practices. I want to say. I oh. think so. I mean, it never it never actually shipped as a game. Right. You know, a gaming. The M2 platform, you're talking but, about. Yeah. The M2, but the yeah. 3DO. Yeah, the 3DO was also interesting because it was supposed to be licensed so that different people could make it. Like only Nintendo can make an NES, but multiple vendors could buy the license to generate a 3DO system. So Panasonic was kind of the the brand that was known, but I think was uh, JVC may have also done uh, a a 3DO. There were a couple of different partners that did 3DO. Yeah, that was kind of the point, a a proprietary disc-based game The problem was nobody could afford to sell it for less than any of the others, so there was really no reason, and there was like... (laughs) Well, you know, I'll go for the one that's $50 cheaper. Nobody could even do that because of the licensing. How are you going to play Snow Job starring Tracy Scott, Scoggins? Scoggins? Scog- I mean, there were some good games on there. I mean, beyond Zadnost. Uh, yeah. Return Fire, a military, one-on-one military game. Uh, this is Keep in mind, this is a time when CD quality audio in a video game is a novel concept, yeah. right? It's called mm-hmm. Red Book no, and, Audio, and, and, the, and the way that it's encoded. But I couldn't believe yeah. that we were doing like a Stallone week and like the biggest participation Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes have given to a video game it's Demolition Man Demolition Man it's it's a yeah. it's a shooter it's a fighting game with two playable characters but they're both really Wesley Snipes and Sylvester yes. Stallone it's yeah. it's absolutely awful and crazy but it it was I couldn't take my eyes off it <laughs> yeah, it's it's a kind of a shame that it was so expensive yeah. because yeah. so few people got a chance to experience it. Also, best and the emulation is not really there yet. Best version at the time of uh, Super Street Fighter Two Turbo. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! Mm-hmm. And they sold a custom pad because the mm-hmm. 3D only shipped with a three button pad, so they had to come up with a six button pad specific for yeah. that game. Yes, it was at the time the greatest version of Super Street Fighter Two yeah. that you could. And I remember could get just brutal platform. load times, but hey, Akuma's in it. That's pretty cool. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So 3DO, fantastically expensive. Uh, it's, it's like a big rich kid system when a lot yeah. of us were teenagers. Yeah. The 3DO was also marketed, like, as we said, as a multimedia machine. And there was also this sort of, like, video games have grown up attitude around it. <laughs> if you're not playing on a 3DO system, you're a poor. <laughs> What are you playing with? Presenting 3DO, the most advanced home gaming system in the universe. It's time to put away your toys. <laughs> Get a free John Madden football and crash and burn when you buy a 3DO system. 
That's so That's 90s. right. Of course, Madden Football, because yeah. Trip Hawkins was like, EA, yes. you got to d- develop for the system right they now. They just killed that console. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, I know. The, it begins with, like, a, a Super Nintendo and, like, a Sega CD dropping into a big dusty wooden box, and then the lid closes, and it's just marked Toys. Like, oh, yeah. okay. All right. It was the ultimate insult, right? It like, was, oh, yeah. you're not a you're you're not playing with a toy. You're not a real gamer. You're playing right. with a toy. Um and crack and, open a beer. Yeah. Play three D O. And three D O was very much at the forefront of that like nineties montage in your face edginess oh, yeah. way of selling how, stuff. How come I always get this confused with CDI? I know they're both very expensive at the time. Were they they were around the same they, time? I mean, yeah, right? they're they're like they're similar, yeah. They're 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 kind of nasty Western approaches to a PlayStation. And and before yeah. PlayStation existed. Before yeah. PlayStation. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they, they were yeah, sort of like the, the early attempts. They were the discs, prototypes. Discs, and I should yeah. say mm-hmm. uh, some ground rules for this that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, this has to have been – the candidates have to have been released in the U.S. at some point. Had to have mm-hmm. had some commercial presence. So I get to ignore uh, alternate multimedia machines that I have no way of experiencing like right. the FM Towns Marty. Fuck you, FM Towns Marty. Or the Commodore CD, whatever it was called. Like I – no, we're we're Apple Pippin. No, no, uh, oh, we're gonna Pippin, baby. We're, we're gonna focus about the on the Pippin in the office last week. Oh, really? And I was like, we should do something for the Pippin, and everybody's like, oh my god, don't joke. There's this guy that really wants to do that. Nobody oh, talk man. to him. Nobody say a word. <laughs> yeah, nobody. nobody <laughs> don't, don't make eye contact. Don't, don't you mention Pippin again? <laughs> Ironically, it's Scotty Pippin. That's what he does now. He retired, yeah, and now he works. Right. Yeah. Does this play Slam City? <laughs> here's, here's some more '90s attitude. You call this life? Not me. I say life began a year ago when Panasonic gave us the explosive 32-bit real 3DO. The competition starts scrambling to catch up while 3DO evolves. Now with over 200 titles available, guess who's at the top of the food chain eating the tadpole competition for breakfast? So you want to evolve? Get the 32-bit real 3DO for Christmas. And don't say all 200-plus games for your birthday. Start using those opposable digits you're so proud of to take on aliens with Tia Carrera and the deadliest encounter by Panasonic. Evolution ain't hard, but winning is... Dream on, you failure. <laughs> Tia Carrera gets name dropped in, in that In the ad. Daedalus Encounter. Yeah, that was her the biggest Daedalus role after encounter. Wayne's World, I think. Yeah. Did this, did this right. system also have Wayne's World on it? I mean, like the movie? Or was it the, Probably. I don't believe so. I mean, <laughs> the other one definitely did, but that that's not yeah. a bad get. Like I, I, That is the most I cared about Tia Carrera uh, somewhere around yeah. 1994. Oh, but uh. yeah, I... I, I, I was obsessed with learning about this game through game magazines and blah, blah, blah. My history is my parents hated games, encouraged reading, so I could read anything I wanted about games. They'd buy me all the game magazines. Uh, All the game magazines, got it. What? No, I'm just a little (laughs) stuffy. My my parents... Dude, I would say I worked at GamePro, and people would be like, you work at what magazine? Because they heard GamePro. I'm like, yeah, it's... Pro would be in game. I do oh, this like for a, a living, sir. I'd see. I avoid it's, it. like, it's, <laughs> it's like Bass Pro, but with gays. <laughs> it's like Bass Pro, except on the bill dance of uh, this whole gay pro thing. <laughs> Lots of bloopers. <laughs> it's the gay pro warehouse. Uh, right. I shut my rod in the back in the, in the tailgate again. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, speaking of rich kid systems. Number three. This whole show is that. True, but now it gets even more so. There we go. That is the startup sound for what ridiculously expensive console? 
Uh, Sega CD. That's a Sega CD, wasn't it? No, that is. Oh no, that's right. The Neo no. Geo. Oh, oh the Neo Geo. Oh Jesus Christ! How could I have gotten that wrong? <laughs> There's one right. I was like, my wires just totally got crossed. Yeah, okay, because Michael and I belong to a very special club of people that own Neo Geo arcade cabinets, and we both owned the same arcade cabinet. Yeah, and we both own GamePro's arcade cabinet, I believe. That's true, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you talk about that like an ex-wife, man. <laughs> Dude, I I miss the cabinet. I don't have room in my house for the cabinet. I'm Ooh, glad it's the in games. good hands. The, you, Everyone got that first steal, and I ignored getting it too, and I totally regret it now that I give a shit about such things and hang out in a cab community what that, this, the neo yeah not getting the neo oh the, like the the home console no, the one, or the, the, the arcade? one yours that, oh, the arcade. that went through all see that's all the, the future like a cheap hua <laughs> an, an arcade cabinet <laughs> was so much cheaper yeah. than the home yeah. version the, oh, the yes. it's the mvs the multi-video system for the arcade and then the aes is the is the uh the home console it's the same cartridge, but a different casing. So you can't put an MVS into a home system, even though it's exactly the same code and the exact same chips. It yeah. was the Neo Geo at home was the arcade experience at home. It was not a port at a time when like, oh, well, we'll get a, you know, a studio to take this arcade code, reverse engineer it, see if they can figure it out, rebuild all the sprites. And, you know, some a lot of times they didn't even have access to the original source code at all. They just had to go here, make that. But for this new system and Neo... The, the SNK thing was, no, this is literally the same game that you would go and pay a quarter for. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, Final Fight. This is Final Fight. This is Fatal Fury. This is Metal well, Slug. It's, you know. it's ironic because Neo Geo came to arcades as like, we will be a cheaper alternative to hit games. Right. for Like, if arcade owners don't want to buy Final Fight... We have a couple of games that are very similar to Final Fight. <laughs> but, but also, it's, it's a modular ones. system, right? So it's like, well, eventually it's it was like, yeah, you can just take out a cart, put a and new that, one exactly. in. And That's what was nuts easy. is because, you know, we all sort of knew what was inside an arcade cabinet, like a bunch of chips you can't steal. And all of a sudden, like a rapscallion kid in summer camp, he like, stole the arcade manager's keys and would like rip mm. cartridges out of Neo Geo oh machines. Oh, my God. And and showing them to shoot to us, and they were massive. Oh yeah, they, they were like, so huge, just just really big. But to finish my Sorry. thought, uh, it's ironic that it was cheap in arcades, but ridiculously expensive at yeah. home, yeah. and like did not have much of an advertising presence in the U.S., which kind of gave it more of a boutique feel. Like I remember there being oh, yeah. like a big glued-in pullout in EGM that had like a slobbering pit bull mascot, and it was all about how like this is real man's video game system with yeah. huge joysticks and it's going to eat your Nintendo. And the one ad <coughs> that I was able to find kind of took a, a, a similar attitude. You wanted more power. Arcade-like, four-dimensional graphics and 15-channel stereo sound. Neo Geo is no stopping us now. Uh, I just want to... He says four-dimensional graphics. Neo Geo yeah. was just as 2D as any other system at the time. Yeah, four-dimensional? It, like, it, it did really time. good parallax scrolling, yeah. but that's yeah. it. Okay. Yeah, like, like someone that's... who's never played Bang Bead. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they the, just uh, thought, like, it has four layers. Can we call that four-dimensional? Why not? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So I remember in 93, 94, there was a really rich kid who was working at, uh, when I was at Flux Magazine and Guitar World, he was working at Harris Comics, 
and he like he was the kid that had all the really rare magic cards. He was into magic really hardcore. He had oh, you want to see my mox lotus? You want to see my my moxes? You want to see my black lotus? You want to see and like all these cards that are now like literally ten thousand dollars a piece or whatever. Mm. And he was all like, oh, do you have a neo geo? I have a neo geo. Like he was he like he was just totally that like jerk kid, right? Yeah. Um, but. When I got, uh, I wound up getting the Neo Geo arcade cabinet from uh, GamePro because GamePro moved offices several times over the course of its life. And every time they moved to a new office, we had less and less room for the arcade games. So they're like, hey, would you take one home? And I'm like, yes, yes, I would. So I wound up with three arcade machines from from, uh, GamePro over three office moves. But when I was out there looking for games, I was happy just buying loose games, right? right? Like, mm-hmm. just a loose cartridge is okay with me. And there's a bootleg scene for the Neo Geo as well. But I would look in, like, Metal Slug 1, right? Like, the original Metal Slug. Absolute classic. Had to have it. You could get a beater cartridge of Metal Slug for 50 bucks, 75 bucks. If you wanted the home version of the mm-hmm. same game, it was literally $1,000. Because... Oh, it's got to be in the case. It's got to have the manual. It's got, you know, that that collector thing because they made so few of them. Now, I found out later that I was buying beater cartridges for, you know, under $100 a piece. And real collectors wanted the arcade cartridge to have a matching serial number with the box. There's a serial number label on the box. Like Criterion, they're numbered. So, yeah. yeah. So... When I inherited the GamePro collection, I wound up trading a lot of those away to uh, to a guy who I'm still friends with now, who is a hardcore MVS collector. And he's like, "We were doing two to one trades." He's like, "You've wait, you've got an arcade, you've got the arcade version of this with matching serial numbers." Like, yeah, it was literally in storage in GamePro, and they gave me all of them. It was like thirty cartridges or something. So I would trade them. I would send them off to him, and he would send me like two games for every one that I would send him. And he would send me back feedback. He's like, "Hey, yeah, I got, I got the, I got a copy of uh, uh, what, what's the horse racing game, Winning Stakes, or something like that." Uh, on, yeah, I got that as, as the Neo Geo. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, no, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he would he would say like, "Yeah, um, well, it came with uh, a blue bubble wrap uh, uh, sleeve, and that was supposed to come with a red one, but that's okay uh, because I, I have a spare red one, so I'll let that one slide." And I'm like, oh my god, you've got to be kidding me. So every Neo Geo cartridge came with uh, a specific color bubble wrap bag and the little sticker that you would put on the arcade machine with the instructions, plus the little card, the little like index card thing Mm -hmm. that you would see in the marquee Mm -hmm. that would say now playing. So if you had all of those things in in the box in good condition... With serial numbers, like he, like I was, I was this impossible. Oh my god, I can't believe I found this guy. And I was like, just give me better games than these because they were crappy mm-hmm. games, but I had them in mint condition, so they were really rare. Wow. The home version was always ten times more value. Yeah, and there were mm. people that would then hack the MVS beater cartridges to work in an AES adapter because the home version wouldn't play them straight. And you I have this- to get some sort of like converter. I know I'm saying something. So I just never understood how expensive and why the home version of Neo Geo was so expensive. Well, it might have had something to do with, yeah, this system debuted in 1990 at $649. Now that is is $50 cheaper than the 3DO in 93, but this tells you how inflation works. It is, adjusted for inflation, it's actually $1,473.72. So about, you know, $40 Uh, more. Two thirds of a Facebook Oculus... MetaQuest Pro 
That is just <laughs> what the system cost. The games started around $200 and went up from yeah. there. Because their their whole thing was like, no, these are the actual arcade boards. These are not just yeah. ROM cartridges. You are buying an arcade board for $200 and you can play, uh, you know, bowling or whatever that game right. was. And, and I, I, well, again, you know, like they're selling those cartridges to distributors and arcade owners right. for $4.99, $5.99 because they know they're going to recoup some of that with quarters that come in. Mm -hmm. So what's the cheapest that we can really do it? Well, I guess we've, you know, we're, we've got a run of them anyway. Let's just do them in these shelves and put them out there. Yeah, they start, the bad games were 200 Oh, yeah. Uh, the good games were three and four. Mm-hmm. And, and mind blowing. It they were they were somewhat generous. If you if you bought the six hundred and fifty dollar gold system, it came with uh, yeah, Magician Lord and I think a couple of other uh, optional games, and then eventually was Magician Lord and Fatal Fury, which great. Uh, one of the one of yeah, I said Final Fight. I realize yeah. now I'm, Th I'm there's eleven hundred yeah, versions of Fatal Final Fury. Fight Fury, for Neo yeah. Geo. That's, that's probably <laughs> that's true. Definitely true. <laughs> They're just not called that. Uh, you could also just later buy it by itself in the silver system for four hundred dollars. Uh, save a lot of money. You could spend wow. that on the bad game of your choice. What? The, the, what a bargain! I, I, Adam explained this to me one time because I thought it was fascinating. Um, speaking of Criterion, that their spines are numbered to let you know mm -hmm. what yes. this is, and like to so your complete Neo Geo collector has a trail oh. to follow because they're numbered. However. On the home console specific, uh, especially, some of those games were canceled or never came out or even fucking announced, but they got their designated number. <laughs> so you'll try and get a complete collection. Like, where is 59? Where's 59? And, like, nobody knows. There's, I think there's still two people, one or two out there. People don't know what those numbers are, but they were given away as designations right. for canceled, delayed, or lost games. I've spent $200,000 on this game system. I need 59. <laughs> I'm a completist. And I, 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 yeah. Like it's modding terrifying. an arcade game uh, system over the pandemic, I am utterly charmed by Neo Geo. They are perhaps the best team of ripoff artists I've ever seen. I don't know of like a super original property from them other than Metal Slug, which I think is like, I, I don't know if it's copying anything, but... Metal Slug, Samurai Showdown. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, I that's, was going to say that's probably I've, I've, their premiere. Here, here's a franchise. here's a an original property for you. I learned Japanese from playing Samurai yeah. Showdown. <laughs> Not really, but I did learn that Ippon means like win or victory. Or Japan. Or something. I, I didn't learn yeah. anything. Uh, but to see, to see a game <laughs> zoom in and out like that, like it was pretty jaw-dropping mm -hmm. at the time yes yeah. and again that was that was all in the hardware that was like being able to to do sprite scaling i'm literally uh, shocked to hear michael say this the hardware came out in 1990 and could yes. do that and like because this is post street fighter that it's doing this mm -hmm. in like 93 94 well if you remember nba jam when that came out for home mm -hmm. uh it did not do sprite scaling because yeah. the hardware couldn't do it Right. And yet Neo Geo was like, well, we can do that, but you know, we're not going to put out Neo, we're not going to put that out on our system. But that was a, a big deal game. of like, well, if you want to, if you want like the the player to look like they're a little bit smaller as they they go into the screen and towards the the sidelines, that would you would only get that in the arcade. Neo Geo, literally everything that you see in the arcade, all the parallax scrolling, all the different levels, all the all the scaling, uh, and all the speed and and giant cartridges. I mean, these cartridges oh, yeah. are the the size; they're like almost six six inches by nine inches. 
or so. They're like they're they're enormous cartridges mm-hmm. that come in a big clamshell case. Yeah. So like it really felt deluxe. It felt like you had a library, you know. But you yeah. were definitely the only kid in your zip code that had Neo Geo because it was just so prohibitively expensive. Yeah. I still I have remember... shrink wrapped before I even got this machine. I went mm-hmm. to Super Potato in Japan, which is like now the super touristy video yeah. game store in Akihabara and Tokyo. And so amazing. managed to get a Samurai Showdown Japanese home cartridge for like five bucks. Wow. <laughs> I still don't know. It's like, is there something wrong with it? I don't know. I've never unwrapped loose it. Loose or, or, or complete Just loose. But I, I've, yeah, been, still, I've, been oh that, I've been to that store three times and nothing gives me a case of the giggles more than Super Potatoes import section. If you want to see, like, just <laughs> all these cheap, practically worthless American games that somehow go Bass for less. pro fisherman. Yeah, well, exactly. No, it's, it's like a red box Sonic the Hedgehog. That's not how it was sold here. <laughs> oh, if you want this, this ugly version of Sonic the Hedgehog or Chuck Chuck Rock, here you go. Have oh, at it. Jesus. $30. Very rare Chuck Rock. Chuck yes. Rock. <laughs> Americans love Chuck Rock. <laughs> I it's saw it brother. every retro game store he went to. I saw Chuck Rock. My name wow. is Chuck Yeah, he's just kid's, it's kid's brother. You got to start somewhere. <laughs> uh, but, but, yeah. but, yeah, Neo Geo, continue. I, I, it, my buddy who's been on uh, the Laser Time show, Melendez, he's an avid game collector. And I remember he, like, sold his entire PlayStation to obtain a Neo Geo in, like, 99 to 2001. Yeah, they started it, to get rare then. Yeah, and, and, and just to get those games, and we were like, I remember people like were driving over to the house like somebody was having a bris. Like, holy fuck, he has a Neo Geo. We got to see what this is. Mm-hmm. Load it up. First game, what do we want? King of the Monsters. Let's fucking do this. King and of the Monsters. 900 years older than every game we're currently playing. The enthusiasm was drained from the room. Oh, it was so sad. He hey, sold Chris, it a couple weeks later. Oh. Chris, oh. I just want to point out, you uh, you brought up Street Fighter earlier. So this yeah. the hardware came out the year before Street Fighter. Yes. But uh, famously, like, uh, SNK was, you know, imitating Street Fighter with, you know, Fatal Fury and what? World Heroes. <laughs> and and legendarily, uh, SNK poached a bunch of Capcom's best programmers to make, like, King of the Fighters. And that's one of the reasons that Street Fighter 3 took so long to come out. Yeah. Allegedly. And the, the, the character Dan, I believe, is, like... Just purely making fun of Neo Geo fighting. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. It's, it's a fusion of uh, Robert Garcia and Ryo Sakazaki from Art of Fighting. Uh, but nobody beats Butt. Butt is the best yeah, fighting Christian game character. Butt. <laughs> but and Mark of the Wolves. Mark of the Wolves. Garu. 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 Mark of the Wolves. Yeah. Garu. Mark of the Wolves. Yeah. But all, all right. right, we've we've still got uh, a couple more to get through. So let's wade more. into the real trash here. Let Dan go. Number two. Gee, it sure is boring around here. No. My boy, this piece is what all true no. players strive for. I just wonder what Ganon's up to. No! Uh, the most expensive <laughs> console of all, YouTube poop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is, that this, is, is, is this number one? or No, this is number two. I'm, number I'm two. making a joke. Um, this is, yeah, the second most expensive console of oh. all time, which uh, a couple of you brought up earlier in the show, this is the I did, CDI. I Sorry, I didn't mean Phillips to spoil it. CDI. I just I can Sorry. I confuse it with 3DO all the yeah. time. But yeah, this one, I, I think I remember seeing a display with both of these near well, each other, is, and I'm like, these yeah, are both consoles for it's, rich kids. It's very easy to confuse them. They did similar things. The way you can tell them apart is that the CDI is much more expensive and shittier. 
Uh, it <laughs> debuted in 91, two years before the 3DO. Uh, but that's the seven, one that plays movies. 799 US dollars. dollars $1,741 today. That is breathtaking. Yeah, it could play and movies on... smashing. Yeah, on, on CD video or video CD. Uh and and I've read like postmortems about the the Zelda games that uh, like this is a system that was designed for multimedia, not for video games. It is not good at pushing pixels around a screen. Do you, do you quickly. have that commercial because it's like I went through all of its like media list, and they're like, if you're in the market for a CD machine, and even that was just like, a, yeah, I forgot about having an individualized CD machine, and they're like, you would be. You'd be a fucking idiot not to get this. We're all looking for CD machines do, to play our Do you CDs. mean this commercial? Say you're watching TV and this guy says... It's CDI, friends. The next generation CD player that works with your TV. And you say... But I have a CD player. And your mom says... No, dear. CDI works with your television. You'd probably feel pretty dumb and maybe even fake it like you'd already experienced the ultimate in games, movies, music, and more. Trust me, babe. I know about this CDI stuff. Now get into CDI starting at two ninety nine with two hundred dollars of free software. I, I'm I'm a giant Phil Hartman fan, and mm-hmm. posthumously Man. they released an unre- I think his family released an unreleased album of him playing family members. I feel like there's some relation here because because this commercial is not only like memorable; it's really fucking weird. Yeah, and it's not Phil Hartman doing any of his popular characters, but doing extremely weird characters. And the narrator always talks like, and then they say, but Phil Hartman's a very recognizable person at this point. This is the year I think he leaves SNL. 90, sure. 93, uh, 94. Is this pre-Blasto then? It's this pre- is pre-Blasto. <laughs> oh, yes, this is pre-Blasto. pre-Blasto. I think it's still pre placed We're talking, uh, f- true with Phil Hartman fans, the house guest era. The, we're talking house, the house guest era. Uh yeah, is this pre or post Small Soldiers? Pre, that I know. Pre-small that I know. Okay. Uh, but but yeah, like but I, there was this giant YouTube playlist of professionally made up to an hour videos about the CDI, and they were like, it's sort of how the PlayStation Two got into homes. Like if you're going to buy a DVD player, you would be a moron to not buy this as your DVD player. It is the same price or cheaper than the modern DVD player, and it can also do this. CDI was five times the price of a CD <laughs> yeah. player, but it, it did really it did play up. No, we can play S video. Is that what they called them? S S video movies. They they can play movies on disc, not DVDs. Yeah, vi- video CDs. S V C D S S V C D S. Yeah, and like I, I had that once. I had to take some penicillin. <laughs> I, we I remember it. seeing this in like a you know a display kiosk at a department store, and it was just playing a very slowly animated golf game. The controller looked; it was it was meant to look like a TV remote. Yeah. So it was just this big clunky thing. Um, it was not good uh, <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination, and it was you know eight hundred dollars. So of course you know as a kid in ninety one, I really wanted one. But sure. it remained one of those unobtainable luxuries that only rich kids had. And if any of them did have it, they did not brag about it. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, because you would rob their house. Not for the CDI, for everything else that they could probably afford. Exactly. What, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. 
this is really a famous system because of that Zelda game that is like one of the only is it the only Zelda game that has ever appeared on a non Nintendo well, platform? Well, technically, like, there are three Zelda games that and, and on two CD Mario games. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. And yes, of of course, we have uh, wonderful Hotel Mario with this immortal line. Nice of the princess to invite us over for a picnic, eh, Luigi? I hope she made lots of spaghetti. Come on! Chris Pratt? <laughs> that was Chris Pratt. Yeah, it was oh, Chris Pratt. Hashtag this not fucking my Mario. guy loves the spaghetti over oh. here. Oh, this guy <laughs> disrespects oh. me, busts my guillomes right to my face and <laughs> my own bag. Mario yeah. Soprano. Yeah, but I'm telling you. Chris, you also sent me a couple of ads. Uh, one of them, yes, was from... USA up oh, only. Rhonda Shear, the person who, like, before porn caused mm. me to spill so much seed. Thank you for being there <laughs> oh for a God. lonely loser on a Friday night, Miss Rhonda Shear. Or Saturday night. I wasn't well, spilling it to Gilbert Godfrey. Here she is to pitch you on the next generation of seedy living room gaming. Hi, it's Rhonda, and I'm playing with CDI, the next generation CD player. Now, I'm no electronics genius, but anyone can get hooked on this. With CDI, you can hear your favorite CDs and play with cool interactive games. Wait, that's not all. You can also watch your favorite movies and music concerts all on video CD. For your chance to press play, enter the USA Up All Night CDI CD for your TV sweepstakes. It's so surreal. And, and then when you show, do you see how much they're giving away knowing how much the games and console were now? Like, this is a legitimate prize. This is like the level yeah. of like Nickelodeon Toy Run. Or that stupid fucking power puzzle. Did we ever discover if anybody won that contest? I'm not sure if they ever did. Um, you remember, if, remember that? Uh, talked about it. Win the big screen TV and all the video games? Yes. Yeah, everybody remembers. I know which one you're talking oh, about. Like, do this crush. word search puzzle. Yeah. The, the word search puzzle. Uh, but, uh, quick question for you guys. So, Rana Sheer clip there. Uh, more of an Elvira guy myself. Rana sure. Sheer, Elvira. Let's go around the room. But, uh, around the room here. Now, now, yes, but it turns out... Choba Elvira is not is not a <laughs> is not a Matty Allen guy. <laughs> so there's no hope there. I, I would, fantasize. I'll go for Cassandra Peterson outside of the wig as a redhead. Wow, That's, look at that! Sorry. I know I was going to admire Dan has a much bigger Jessica Rabbit statue than I do. Um, yeah, this is true. Very jelly, very jelly. But uh, but yeah, like uh, that's. Th- it's such an odd place to market the game. And again, I brought up Cybermania because there really was this. I think period of uncooperative Japanese companies and mixed with up and coming American companies trying to get in the game space, especially mm. during the CD-ROM era. And that Cybermania thing just is emblematic of that. It doesn't mention any of the good games from 1994, 95 that we talk about. It's just garbage from the CDI, 3DO, and whatever right. other upstart CD-ROM games that were out there. Was was Cybermania the one with Leslie Nielsen? Yes, that's yes, ah, and, okay. and JTT. Yeah, go look it up. On Among YouTube. other presents, it's, um, it's fucking hysterical. It, it's like an alternate dimension of games that you would think never happen, and so are these consoles. And, and, and what's even funnier, this is what Nintendo threw away their relationship with Sony to do. That yeah, this is yeah, actually right. they lost the PlayStation to like kind of put their chips on here. They knew a CD a CDI was always meant because Sony made a CDI. They, they, Sony didn't make an, a CDI. This is two years before the PlayStation. Um, yeah, they made a, like a more portable one. But it, it, all in all, it was completely unaffordable. It didn't matter. It didn't matter what shell you had it. And I didn't even think about what Dan said. You can't like make a lower cost of one of these things on the market. You will kill the whole business. Everything has to stay the same price. Um, 
awful. And yet they did. And and I think Philips themselves like made a bunch they of did. different models, only one of which was released in the U.S. They did. Maybe maybe a couple oh, of the, it's, it's the a later ones. Astronomical were. failure, and I think because um, I think Panasonic still exists, but I don't. I'm not sure if Philips does. Uh, oh, Philips exists. No, no I Philips don't, I don't definitely think it's exists. the other way around. Is it? Like, yeah. Um, Magnavox also made a CDI that's much wow. more compact. And, yeah, wow. The first TV I like bought with my system. own money. A fucking, no, it was JVC, who also made the first Star Wars game I ever owned at home. JVC did the XI, which yes. I think was... Uh, CD, uh, was, was Sega it? CD and... Um, that was a Sega CD combo. It's Sega player, CD and yeah. Genesis combo, portable, near yeah. the XI. Fucking mm. weird times. Yeah, yeah, like well, it, it was also like I think a lot of people like this is the second system now we're talking. They were more like a platform, and I think if you if you think back, like this is when Windows was really like becoming yeah. like oh yeah, this is the OS that everyone right. uses and has now. And so I think maybe they were. I'm mean, this is only a guess. No, they might have been looking at the PC market and being like, well, we should do that. It's yes. more like an operating if, if system. If you were listening technology. to thirty twenty ten last week, where we talk about the world thirty twenty ten years ago, Microsoft and Apple released QuickTime. And Windows Media Player within like a week of one another as like an official version. So like the the drive for uh, video at home on your on, through a CD-ROM is starting in 1992. And I does, does anybody know this? Does Sony own the compact disc format? Were they the ones, or was it Toshiba? Uh, Sony and RCA both. Uh, were involved in the creation of the compact disc. I'm not yeah. sure who owns all the packs. But you could, you could see oh. why these companies were racing to like own proprietary video formats oh, because yeah. like if this does mm-hmm. take, mm-hmm. it will be worth the investment for 11. This system isn't discontinued. It's a failure from the beginning. It is not discontinued yeah. until 1998. Although, <laughs> not only were you right about Sony making it, they made two models that were branded Intelligent Discman. Oh, great, great branding. <laughs> what? What? That's, That's a great uh, Sean Benjamin character, in. isn't it? I'm putting that guy in Hero Falls. <laughs> yeah. uh, Intelligent Discman. Intelligent Discman. He can play Burn Cycle with his ears. Uh, <laughs> I'm, intelligent, I'm intelligent disc man kids uh, right. that's my H on Benjamin that's a terrible Chris H. you, you <laughs> also you also sent me a video that like wow literally anything sounds more important if it's talked about in German Philips Media and Terry Hulk Hogan presentieren das action game <laughs> that one word Thunder in Paradise auf Compact Disc Interactive Tauchen Sie ab in die nächste Generation der Unterhaltung. Lassen Sie sich fesseln. Von der treibenden Geschwindigkeit und den atemberaubenden Bildern. Game over. Bring me Bubba the Love Sponge Wife. My favorite part about that was learning that he was trying to go by Terry Hulk Hogan back Terry then instead of Hulk just Hogan, instead of either yeah. Terry Bollea or Hulk because Hogan. Was, like, no, was, I'm going to go. He still has to pay a license to Marvel, and I don't know even know about. No, WWE. I read up on that. He doesn't. They they, they, they finally Did settled they? that after after you said that on the show yeah. last time. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. It was like 20 years of doing. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Like, it's but, like yeah. it's in the first couple. Like it's in the opening logo of the first couple video games of right, WWF. Yeah. Uh, but but I, I only mentioned because Michael is the one who told me a Thunder in Paradise game existed, and yeah. it's on the 3DO. We talked oh. about it for a, game, a show about uh, wrestlers and non-wrestling games. It was games. the brief yeah. moment in Hulk Hogan's career. is like, I don't need wrestling anymore. I got all these other things going on that are far more lucrative. He had two and a half years of Thunder in Paradise before he came crawling back to wrestling. 
He had that like cyborg nanny movie or whatever too. Uh, Come cy- on. No, Suburban, Suburban Commando. Suburban Commando. Yes. <laughs> that, that's Mr. Nanny and Suburban Commando. That's what you were thinking of. Yeah, I know my movie. I may be combining Rock or Vin Diesel movies in there as They're well. Probably so, very yes. similar. There's one where Triple H drives a bus and the Tooth Fairy one with Vin Diesel. <laughs> oh shit! I am getting confused. Uh, Mr. Hmm. Tooth Fairy one is the Rock, right? Is it or is it Vin Diesel? No, that's the Pacifier. God, I'm good. Right. Which one had the Sinbad genie that everyone thinks about? <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a funnier die exclusive because it. It yeah. never existed, except that it does now. That's the so, yeah. CDI, I think that one was called the Mandela effect, right? That's right. That was a good movie based, based on Alfred E. Mandela from Mad Magazine. New Mandela, get it straight. New Mandela. So yeah, CDI fantastically expensive, but if you want to talk about the true holy grail of 1990s rich kid systems huh. that are completely fucking useless and insanely expensive, we have to talk about... This is Delta Platoon Leader. All craft prepare to get underway. All crap, boy. This is Twins Command. Affirmative. <laughs> Good luck. Let's go. <laughs> David Strait. Sensors indicate enemy spacecraft ahead of us. Assume combat formation. Roger. 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 I just love the juxtaposition of like, oh, here's all these voices. This sounds really cool. And now the gameplay starts and it sounds like a fucking missile Atari. Command. Yeah, it, it sounds, like, it sounds like the cat from Lightyear narrating Missile Command. <laughs> it sounded like a Colin Mockery character. Yeah. Let's yeah, go. <laughs> what the hell is this system? This so, isn't. Uh, this is 1993's Pioneer laser active which wow. as you pointed out wow. comes with a huge asterisk next to it and the the asterisk is that the base system cost $970 in 93 uh, almost 2000 today $1992 for that asterisk that's almost a quarter of my medical bill that i got mm-hmm. for my appendectomy <laughs> with legitimate health insurance wow for yeah. that my, much America's money america's awful please yes. adopt me yes. another country for that much money, you got a laser disc player that could oh, yeah. play laser discs, and that's right. about it. But what it did do, it had a, an opening for modules in the lower half of it, and for the princely sum of six hundred dollars. Oh God! Okay, which so it's not was, over. What about was about one thousand two hundred thirty four two two hundred thirty two dollars? You could buy a module that would let you play. Genesis games, or one that would let you play PC Engine or Turbo Graphics games, and what but that individually they're six hundred dollars back then, twelve hundred dollars now. Module, yeah. each is module is six hundred dollars, like a mister. Uh, which even then was way more than buying like a Genesis with a Sega CD. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> buying or, five Genesis or a yeah. Turbo <laughs> Duo. Genesis. What's yeah. the plural for Genesis? And and so here's here's the. The benefit of that is that you not only can play Genesis cartridges and Sega CD games, you can also play special Mega LD games, which were Laserdisc games. Those are, made to oh, those work are uh, the Larry Genesis David module. series of games. Right, yes, the um, Larry Davids. Narrated. The LD stands for Laserdisc this yes. time. Oh, 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 oh! I, only, I heard JB Smooth <laughs> say it. Where are you going, LD? But uh, so, what that would let you do is play basically 480i or 240p versions of 
Sega CD games in a lot of cases. And uh, what's what's weird about these is, so they look great to, to watch them play. Like, a lot of them had, like, 3D rendered graphics that were, like, you know, it's it's all just pre-rendered. It's part of the Laserdisc program. It's like a rail shooter. You're just flying through and shooting at these objects, whatever. So it, it's a bit like Action Max, actually, if, if it were grown up. Um, and overlaid onto... This footage is like, you know, the game elements, your little ship that you're moving around or your crosshairs or your score counter, whatever. The weird thing about this is it is almost impossible to emulate the games because Laserdisc, despite right. looking like a giant CD, is actually an analog format. And still a pretty, like, decent format that holds up pretty okay. I believe the uh, best format of non-altered Star Wars movies is the Laserdisc. Mm -hmm. and, and if you buy them on DVD, those are the Laserdisc non-anamorphic transfer. Sure. They are. Yeah. And I, I remember when I was researching this because I wanted to see it and, you know, like we're in, we're just sort of starting the YouTube era. It's not only ridiculously hard to emulate, it's hard to capture and like really show you what it looks like. And you mm -hmm. can find a ton of videos on YouTube. It's mostly people like you kind of have to point a camera at it to see why it's special because it doesn't capture very well. Yeah, you, you have to use composite cables, so it's going to be like 480i, yeah, 240, whatever. It's going to be small. It's going to be uh, not not great signal, and uh, but you know you you will get to see uh, high definition for the time. I guess it was enhanced definition back in the day. Versions of say Time Gal. <laughs> Is, is she Time traveling Gal. back and forth through Hanna-Barbera cartoons? What's happening? <laughs> She's getting chased by a dinosaur. Uh, kind of a thing. It's a Murgatroyd. I'm a Hanna-Barbera dinosaur. I can't come up with one. Yeah, so basically, sexy anime dragon slayer is Time Gal, and then it pauses because she has time-pausing powers, and you can do various... Oh, that's, that's what I thought was hysterical. If you go look at those promo videos for CDI... Mm -hmm. It, I would say, sixty percent of all of their sizzle reels are Dragon Slayer, a game from nineteen eighty-two. Yep, <laughs> it, is, it is. Well, I mean, that Dragon Slayer was synonymous with optical media, you know. But that's mm -hmm. the funny thing mm -hmm. is the Laser Active did not have wow. a Dragon Slayer play. Isn't that like yeah. it came out for so many other wow. platforms? What a coup! What a coup! Not an official game for that. What a I mean, you could play that. the Sega CD version through the six hundred dollar module. But, wow. yeah, there was no, like, 12-inch Laserdisc version of Dragon's Lair that could play on that system natively as, look at what's for Laser Active. It's crazy uh, to me. What a what a terrible waste. But good news, because you could play great games like Ghost Rush. <laughs> as a result of my research, I have gained the ultimate power, eternal life. Look at me. I have become a god. You intrepid ghost hunter, serve as my sacrifice! Okay. <laughs> and then you get a game that sounds worse than Ghouls and Ghosts. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, I really get Ghouls and Ghosts vibes off of that synth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh. Yes, yeah, so you're shooting at a movie with, you know, invisible sensor overlays that uh, will give you a score or whatever, but won't change the actual footage on screen. Well, that sounds like it's worth 
well in excess of a thousand dollars. Yes, well, well in excess of two thousand. Well, three thousand yeah. dollars. I, mean, I don't think if I you're saw buying a module a thousand dollars until my thirties. Like I just don't know mm-hmm. who the system is for. Oh my god, rich people. Rich yeah, people. really rich people. Yeah. They're like we. Well, I suppose we can buy buy the Tyke his video game system. It plugs into our laser player anyway, you know. Yeah, so when we're not watching, uh, you know, Amadeus, would you like to go uh, to go skiing on a hill of caviar eggs in Switzerland or <laughs> two of these laserdisc systems? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. No, well, well, I'll go with you, but only if I'm not playing my Turbo Graphics 16 through my uh, Laser Active uh, player. Well, I, I could so none of these prices came close to the Turbo Graphics 16. Which I think was as a kid, it was a much more sought after system than any of the ones we talked oh, about. Sure, but yeah. that was still like four hundred dollars of nineteen ninety two money, was it not? Especially I think if you, it was less than that. Was it less I than mean, that? I mean, I'm the, thinking the of like the Turbo about, Duo. Thing. Oh yeah, Turbo Duo was a bit more expensive. The Turbo Graphics. I did not realize that, like this PC Engine was released originally in nineteen eighty seven. It's like, no oh. wonder it was so much more popular in Japan. It was competing with the NES. Right. Sure. Like, it came out. the doors off. Yeah. It came out at the same time as the Super Nintendo and Genesis over here. And, like, who gives a the shit? The FM Towns Marty won, which nowadays looks worse than Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> love picking on the Towns. That's pretty bad. I love picking on the Towns Marty. There's no one yeah. at the company left to tell me no. It's <laughs> FM Towns. Towns Marty. Oh, anyway. For some reason, my YouTube picked up. I'd never seen Road Blaster Laserdisc. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that looks amazing. Is that an arcade game? Dan? It, yeah, it's an arcade okay. game as well. And this is a different. This is different from Atari's Road Blasters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which is uh, plural and is a different game. But Road Blaster, two words, Singular. was yeah, like this car combat anime. Uh, it looks uh, amazing. Yeah, it's really cool looking. Game. Probably horrible kind of to hard, play. Though. <laughs> it's difficult. I I find it difficult anyway. Uh, maybe I maybe I just got to get good. Uh, not to be yeah, confused Road Blaster was one of the games. We did ask Blaster. a long time ago, Dan, what was the most expensive gaming thing you're comfortable telling us you bought? Maybe maybe when you're young, so you don't you don't have to embarrass yourself with some stupid collector. <laughs> well, no, I mean I remember saving up my money for Pitfall on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, and that took me several months to get thirty five dollars. Yep. Uh, in terms of like, what do I feel like I wasted? money on uh <laughs> like what did i pay too much maybe for some- as an adult um wow i mean i've 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 played some games that i just immediately regretted uh once once i bought like you know the deluxe edition and i was like oh this was a ripoff i can't think of anything specific right now honestly i i just i keep thinking about the good things that i've gotten because of like yeah the stuff that i i feel like i've made mistakes on i pass on or i sell or i you know recycle or whatever my, my buddy was um He's online selling his arcade one up T2 arcade game with working light guns. And someone's just like, uh, he messages me while I'm eating dinner. Uh, hey, someone's offering me a PSVR in exchange for this T2. Like, there's no other game on it stock. Like, is this, should I consider this? And like, Jesus. And I really had to think about it. And then I thought a little bit, and like, Oh, PSVR one is going to be useless in like eight months. Yeah, more useless than a T two arcade game, I would say. So, no, don't don't give that. No, swat it to the ground. Swat, swat, <laughs> swat it to the ground. Don't invest in a PSVR one. People listening right now, no. 
It's very funny. I can tell you how much I paid for every one of my guitars. I remember all of sure. those numbers. I don't remember what I've paid for most. Uh, oh, I, I know what I've, I've probably wasted the most on like mobile games. Yeah. Like I get, I, I, mm. I, I counted up how much I spent oh, on the Mortal Kombat or sorry, Injustice, the Injustice mobile game. And mm-hmm. I, you know, because I was, I'm writing it off on my taxes because right. I'm like, hey, I work in video games, I can write this yeah, off. Research. And I'm like, I spent seventy five dollars, and you know, like, you wow. know, bleeding out Nobody a couple bucks at a time. Fucking tell me how really much surprised. I spent on playing years of Disney Magic Kingdoms, the Disney Park <laughs> yeah. Builder, where you also unlock yeah. Disney characters to. Yeah, get over. I want Goofy and uh, Woody from Toy Story to build me Space Mountain. Get on it. And <laughs> yeah. I felt guilty for having spent that much on. I don't mind spending on no, mobile no, games. No, no, me either. But, fun. but then I noticed Marvel, it's, it's, uh, Marvel Snap is fantastic. It's been and I five think years. The, the money it's been five years. Yeah. How much have I spent on this fucking thing? Whew. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I want to get Dan's opinion on that. All right. Not as much as any of the consoles on our list. No. Yes. Yeah. How about that? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all of those are just insane. And again, like I never would have had as many consoles as I did if I wasn't in the media where I was getting them for free or I was able to write them. Like, yeah, I, you know, I had to buy my Super Nintendo. Yeah, even when I had a full-time um, job, I found a way on taxes like, well, I might do some freelance with this, so this is a business yeah. expense. I had pending freelance gigs. Like, I had cartridges waiting to be reviewed, and I had to go buy a Super Nintendo, and my mom's like, you just want a toy. I had to borrow money from her to get my Super Nintendo so that I could submit a review. Wow. And she, like she just didn't understand. I'm like, no, this is legitimate work now, Mom. I've got THQ has sent me total carnage. I've got to evaluate the this. toys right. headquarters. Well, this is serious, little Daniel. I'll <laughs> give you the money. <laughs> I, I'm just, Super funny. I'm just still in awe of a device that cost roughly twice what a, a laser disc player would or, have or at like the time. Twice, what and you did would, not play any games out of the box. Twice what you yeah. would have paid for your like first PC with a, with an optical mm-hmm. drive. Like, that's yeah. that's equally insane. But I mean, I, I think yeah. that's that's when you look at all these companies. A lot of these companies don't exist anymore. And if they would have laid <laughs> down and like given Sony or Toshiba the money to license the DVD format and just play that game, they might still be around. But it was worth it. Like, how do we get into this next era of technology of home devices? Like, we have to come up with something. What a what a weird time to be in that in that business. If we don't do it, somebody else right. will, so it might as well be us. We have an equal chance. There's five you, platforms yeah, you you have know, to fighting try. it out. Yeah. What if it's yeah, us? What if, if it's us, we're going to look like geniuses. If it's not us, we're going to look for new jobs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think Pioneer is still very much around. Pioneer uh, is still well, around. They make, but they <laughs> make speakers. Laser Active as a they platform is not around. But they used to all be... Of, a- all of these, except for maybe uh, 3DO as a console manufacturer, are still around. I don't think so. It, it's it's, it's no, weird Phillips whenever you look around, into Pioneer's it. around. SNK's around. 3DO, eh. Well, it, technically, that, was, not really that was Magnavox, wasn't it? That put that yeah, out? but like, yeah. what's Magnavox Panasonic. doing? Panasonic. Panasonic. What's Panasonic? Yeah. When was the last time you saw a Panasonic television? Uh, they make dildos. Thank you. Um, also, one that Mattel be... made in television, so there's which around. one? Mattel. 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 Mattel is still around. Mattel is yeah. still around. Yeah. Which yeah. Which, uh, which one did Zenith make? That's all I wanted. <laughs> that actually was brand. the first. TV Don't you I remember the Philco RC? Sorry. One? <laughs> oh, the man. first TV I had with a component cable was Zenith, and I think they don't make TVs anymore. I think they're gone. I think Zenith may have sunsetted as a brand. Yeah. Ironic, given their name. 
Yes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> now they're just called Nadir. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to name your TV company? Number one champion. <laughs> We're competitive with Gold Star. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, that's what I think is funny. Gold Star did a 3DO. Yes, Gold I think, Star I think that's yes. the 3DO I have. So. And the, the, if, you, oh if you've never been bored enough to look into it, the G in LG is Gold Star. Is it? Oh, I did not realize. That's, I, yeah, I literally so, thought it stood for Life's Good, like their marketing. No, they, 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 huh. it's two companies that merge together. The G uh, and LG, I believe, is Gold Star. All right. Mm. If you watch right. Old Mystery Science Theater 2000, you'll just see, like, I'm going to steal this and this. Ah, it's a Gold Star. All right. Well, we're at, like, two hours now, and I'm going to have to I edit know, this. I so. supposed to be in and out. Atari uh, 50 is out uh, uh, right now, as you're listening to this, and... It's one of the things I'm looking forward to the most. It's where I think, if I don't even think just physical games, where like game curation should go. Uh, we, I want professional people to put together a great package of something I could never think to make for myself. Well, you oh. got a bunch of professional people plus me, so yeah, thank I'll you. stop it. Yeah, I really hope that people will check it out. I, I know that you know. Again, at first glance, oh, Atari, whatever. It's old. It's boring, uh, or it's not my generation. But we're really trying to give it its place now and there's a lot of really fun games in there too uh you know uh, honestly ninja golf on 7800 is still just that was i didn't know about it until this came around uh i jude kelly actually gave me some of his 7800 games that he had sealed mailed them to me and i opened these things and they're worth like two and three hundred dollars he's like nah it's fine i paid like 10 bucks for each firm i don't care you know to him they're still ten dollar games to the rest of the world they're sealed 7800 games that are now very rare but we're like, well, this is going to be minty fresh for scanning in the manuals and the boxes and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully it'll it'll uh, not only be fun, but also educational, but also fun. I, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Uh, it's my lock of the week. It's exactly what I want. Digital clips, more, more, more. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Uh, yeah, gimme. Again, cool. next time. I want Spider-Man. I want every bad Spider-Man <laughs> game in one <laughs> oh, collection, starting with the 2600, mm-hmm. uh, into that weird Sega arcade game, and that even worse Genesis game. Oh, I want it Web all. of Shadows, the 32X I game? love the Web of Shadows. Oh, my God. Oh, 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 the 32X game is fucking insane. Oh, yeah. and then get so me the Sega a, CD game. He's the lizard again. With all the Mr. Big songs in it. Right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God, I forgot about that. Swing the time. Oh, these are all things that are impossible unless you, like, sell this for 70 bucks. But it, I, it's right. Spider-Man, for fuck's sake. Oh, That would be great. Oh, I'd love it. Batman, just a collection of cool Batman games from different companies. Uh. Anyway, pie-in-the-sky anyway. idea. Yeah. But it's uh, never been more possible, in my opinion. It's it's just, we might we might get there someday. Seriously, how else do you sell these games? They're all available for free. Let them. Let somebody make. I'm done. Dan, thank you for coming. Yeah, uh, thank, thank you, you for having me. Yeah. <laughs> all right. On that note, we need to move along. We there's still more show to talk about. There's probably sixteen to ninety show. minutes of show left. Uh, we we are going to take 69. a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about God of War. We're going to talk about um, what what's that game? Uh, Robotnik side ears. I think. Yes, that's Matt? the one. That's the one. You yeah, nailed it. One? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Oh wait, no. Sonic front ears. Got it. No. Ah, yes, okay. yes, yes, no, yes. It's, yes. It's, it's it's Foxy Swimmer's ears. Uh huh. Uh, okay, <laughs> I, I don't know why I tried to top Michael. I don't. Yeah, I don't know why you tried to one up. I me haven't on that. talked a lot in a couple days. I've been here alone, <laughs> so you're getting it all out now. I really am. It's like a, it's a diary. I hit a channel of diarrhea of talk. Need to differ, sir. All right, <laughs> all right. We're gonna take a break. Be right back. Stay tuned. The fun is back. Oh yes, three. It's the 
2600 from Atari. It's the video system with classics galore, from space invaders to cars that roar. A real hip joystick controls the screen. Solaris is hot and midnight magic's mean. And one more thing, it's got a special low price. Under 50 bucks. 50 bucks? Now isn't that nice? The club is back, oh yes sirree. It's the 2600 from Atari. Let's get scratching. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. But I want to talk about good cartoons. Talk, talk about, about a good cartoon. A good Man. experience. A movie I have seen three times. What? What? I've seen three times. Yeah, I've seen it twice already. Uh, that's Chippendale Rescue. What the fuck? I, I'm supposed to be the, like the diehard here. Jesus Christ. It, it is, I, does seem like a movie custom made for you though, Chris. Because it's like yeah. the sequel to Roger Rabbit. We never it is, it is Roger Rabbit. And I, I don't say this with cynicism. It's Roger Rabbit for uh, millennials and Gen Xers. Uh, yeah. and, and, and just because like, you know, I didn't want to spoil things for Michael. I was just like, Trying to say like, you're not going to see Mickey, and you're not going to see Donald really. But like, dude, there's Schnookums in meat in the end credits. For fuck's sake, I don't think that's been acknowledged by Disney in any way ever. But there's like, they're just boom there in the end. It's fucking crazy. It, it, uh, some of those cameos that they got. And the, so, yeah. This is Randy Marsh is in a Randy Marsh is, Randy in Marsh a fucking, is chilling in a sauna. In a, in a sauna room. I was I, I got with uh, two of the three little pigs. <laughs> Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. And welcome back to our second segment where Chris wants to say something. Yeah, I want to say something right now because uh, I'm not allowed to edit this show. No. But I also don't want my friends to be in service of editing out my coughs and sniffles. Hey, man, I got COVID and I'm doing a show Fuck you. Just just don't complain about coughs or or sneezes on the show for a little bit and let my my friends have an easier time with their edits. Uh because I know I'm trying to lean away from the microphone but I can't the way it's set up I can't mute anything right now with the current setup. Let it go everyone. We know. I you heard me coughing on the mic. <laughs> Well, you know this. I've, I've actually edited you out of the second segment of every show for about <laughs> oh, no! six months now. Oh, no! The hard part is just getting it so it sounds like Michael and I are having a coherent yeah. conversation. No, I mean, nobody's they're... nobody's uh, complaining about the coughs, Chris, because that would require them to have listened to the show. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I know, I know, but like Diana was super worried about it, and like hmm. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I don't know one person who is podcasting during co- with COVID, and I did. Let it go. <laughs> I, I was there with COVID. I'm pretty sure Alex Jones must have done that a few yeah. times. <laughs> a couple times. Uh, yeah, I, I, I COVID got, killed him by eating steaks. I got the I got the Soros <laughs> China strain yeah. uh, for the sixteenth time. That's why I keep talking like this. That's my favorite funny thing about that guy is that's not his real voice. He's trying to sound more like Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. Uh, is that it? Yes. Yeah. Because if you if you go back, he never talked like that before. My favorite fact about him is he's. Like either our age or just not that much older than us, but he makes yeah. me feel amazing because he looks like fifteen years <laughs> yes, older than all yes. of us. And, and then what makes me pissed is in in my neck of the woods, Ron DeSantis is on all the time, and Sam never ha- hesitates to tell me like, hey, "That guy's our age." Yeah. Not only do I hate him, 
I haven't accomplished anything near as much as this <laughs> asshole. Ugh, you could, I could have been governor if I tried. Yeah, you never hung out at parties with your history students in high school. <laughs> uh, uh, this is the show, right? This is the show, and this, this is, is our show. longest lead into this segment. Let's begin with Sonic Frontiers. Okay. Which, full disclosure, um, Matt, you want to introduce the full disclosure? Yes. um, I work on the game, and I gave these guys codes. And so I... I have also played the game, but uh, take all of of my opinions uh, with a grain of salt. I've platinumed the game. Yeah. Well, don't take my opinion with a grain of salt because our employers are mortal enemies. And uh, no, we <laughs> are. That's no. true. I made that. I, I think up. It's only a <laughs> time before uh, Sonic shows up in Mario and Rabbids. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, I I have played this a bit. I made it to the second island, and yeah, I kind of love it. I, yeah. I I did not expect to say that about a Sonic game. Like uh, in in all honesty, it's pretty janky, but. I really enjoy the underlying, just the basic gameplay. I love the way that the open world is structured. I like wandering around, especially like moving through this big Shadow the Colossus open world at high speeds with the dash. Yeah. Like just moving, covering that much territory in an open world game is pretty cool. And I, I sort like, of suspected you might like at least that part of it is because yeah. Michael and I are both map game guys. Like oh, yeah. we love open world games where you open a map and you see icons Me and too. like. And you go to the icons. And, and you go to the icon and do a thing. And, and like, this yeah. game is full of that. But instead of the thing being, like, an NPC maybe saying, go, go kill ten of these or whatever, the thing is a platforming challenge, usually. Yeah. Yep. And it's it's to get, like, a collectible in the world. And I was like, oh, Michael, well, I know he'll at least like that portion of this yeah. game. Or a gigantic yeah. boss. I would say yeah, I, I'm too. the bigger, uh, maybe not maybe more so than Matt, but I, Michael, am I the bigger Sonic fan than you? Like, I platinum yes. the last Sonic game. I am I am not a Sonic fan. I'll just say that. Oh, but Sonic. I'm not I'm not a, I have my issues with Sonic 3D games. Like I love Generations, but I don't really love I love my nostalgia for Adventure, but I understand its flaws as a game and I'm not a huge fan of the evolution of Sonic Adventure 2, but I played the crap out of it. I really did. I'm just mm-hmm. more nostalgic for Adventure 1 than I am for Adventure 2. Uh and I had some criticisms that I off mic that I wanted to pull back on cuz like one, it's open world, and the only thing it resembles is Breath of the Wild and Mario, like a Mario Odyssey maybe, but more Breath of the Wild. And these are the most polished and refined games ever from Nintendo. And this is totally different than that. You've never moved this fast through an open world before. And I'd have some questions for Matt, like, why isn't this working well? And you were like, well, you upgrade your speed but you upgrade it so incrementally it's kind of hard to see how you're doing better as a character because it, it's like a hundred point thing for like there, your there's speed. A not yet it's a hundred levels of power for, for each and, thing, and, so. and in the beginning i struggled a little bit with some i'll, I'll call jank and and most but that goes away the the stronger your character gets and the faster you get the the easier it is to stick to surfaces and really zip across the environment or even some of the boss fights where you're like, man, when I reach this wave or this phase of the fight, and I'm like, how are you reaching that phase? Because that if you power Sonic up enough, the most interesting conversation can, like- we had about the game. Because my biggest complaint is some of the jank in the just the combat. And by combat, you don't have to engage in combat much at all if you don't well, want we should, to. We should also mention 
And again, caveat, right? You know, work work for Sega, but this game has an all new combat system, which yeah. is so is so weird to say about a Sonic yes. game. It's not just it has homing attack. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. homing attacks there, but it's uh, it's got like a skill tree with special attacks and stuff. And I would just tell Chris, I'm like. Well, just do this attack because you have invincibility frames and, and you yes. should be powerful enough to beat this boss in like, you know, a couple combos. And, and we were kind of like, well, are you upgrading this to be powerful enough? And it was kind of like Elden Ring where Michael and I would like get mad at you on chat. We're like, wait, you're not engaging with this entire system? No, 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 no. I, 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 I was, but I also like it's an open world game. I am dicking around and like I want to yeah. see what's going on. And Michael was with me on, on some of it. I think the combat is like a patch of way from being very very enjoyable but right now has a couple of frustrating aspects but beyond all that it reminds me of sonic generations in that it does represent traditional 2d and 3d sonic things very well and then this whole new layer of 3d i would rather sonic games be this forever despite some of my misgivings and frustrations with some of the mechanics. when If this gets refined and this is how the series moves forward, I've never felt that way about a Sonic game before. That shit was so fucking fun that you can scream across a miles-long level at a 1,000 mm-hmm. miles an hour and inter- interact with, like, 20 things while you're doing that. Flawlessly, if you know what you're doing, it's not quite on the level of, like, doing a Tony Hawk line, but in the next game, that's what it'll be. You'll be chaining these amazing combos together across fucking miles at a hundred miles an hour. Well, and if, people if, who are good, that's what they do. Right. Like you, you can, yeah. Cause because along the way, it's not just oh, empty Island or whatever you see in all the trailers and stuff we put out. Like, yeah. There's all those, like there's grind rails everywhere. There's the springboards. So there's, there's platforming challenges or just platforming things that will like boost you across the Island even faster. You yeah, just got to reach it, them. You know? My pro- my only problem with the game right now is, some of the combat stuff, you get hung up on it because, like, it's about boss fights. I should be having a boss fight. This isn't working properly. Something's We're doing something wrong. And I remember Matt telling me, like, I didn't I didn't see that face because Matt amped his power up to such a level. He yeah, didn't just he didn't fight a boss down. as long as I did because he put all his he put all his weight behind his power and yeah. which is something you can do. And you also don't need to fight any of these things especially not more than once hmm. if well, you, you don't want to you guys are asking to. me you're like what is, what does a sonic game have a defense stat for like it's you get hit and your rings are gone and then you get hit again and you die and i'm like well yep. no that's the thing in the open zone segments if you have high defense you drop fewer rings at a time you don't and drop you- all your rings like in a sonic game you'll drop and i i am seeing that more often but again yeah. in the boss fights like it just doesn't tell you how properly that scales a, an, a random enemy in the environment i'll drop like 20 rings if it's a boss fight, it'll be traditional Sonic two hit thing, and I don't understand how the defense scales at all yet. And I kind of, I'm not in a position to make recommendation. It's just like a hundred points of defense, power, and speed are probably a little much. Five to ten, we could have got a little more like idea of how powerful we are. It's such a it's such a weird gradient. But I, I can't emphasize enough. Like I have not liked a lot of 3D Sonics. This is the way. Sonic should go in the future. It's a much bigger and more ambitious game. It is not Mario. It is not Breath of the Wild. It is faster and it is different. And it it has this Hmm. Tony Hawk element that could... This open Tony Hawk element that could be a major part of Sonic. And it always should have been. And only fans have made it so far. But but Sonic Team finally did it. They made a, a, a really 
open, open world in a 3D Sonic game. And I'm just, I have my, the, the more I play it, the less problems I have with it. The more powerful you get, the more I'm taking down things with ease. That new Cyclops skill. That is a new skill. I, that Cy- is, Cy- I don't, Cy- Cyloop skill. Oh, Cyloop. That is really fucking fun. Yeah. And that's well, something you use that, that to like solve puzzles. You use that against enemies. Yeah, you can use it to gain rings in the middle in the middle of Cyloop Cy- is you hold down a button and you run in a circle to make a ring, to draw a ring basically. And if you if your rings are maxed out now, you have like this amazing blue lightning phase, which is a really fun way to play risk and reward wise like I oh, have my faster. issues with yeah, it. You go, you go fast. It's not a perfect game, but like I think this is where Sonic should go moving forward. That's what I hope. I think it is a it is a much more ambitious thing Sonic Team has tackled in in I think 15, 15 years. Sonic has not hmm. made this big an advance in fifteen years. It's it's cool to play. Yeah, I, well, I wanted to say like I really like the way that the open world is structured. That. Uh, you know, it doesn't throw a lot of enemies at you. There, there are really only a few characters I would describe as like low-level mobs. Every every encounter feels like like you, you either get mini bosses or mini mini bosses, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and it, like e- each one has kind of a weight to it. It feels sort of meaningful, which is a weird thing to say about enemies in a Sonic game. Yeah, but there, it's it's satisfying to just be able to like take on one enemy and like now I'm going to run around and explore some more and like oh looks like there's there's some enemies over there I can go take care of and then uh, that is we're only talking about half the game with the right. open world stuff. Like the open world stuff is really cool. There's also like these big stone throne things that you find throughout the world, and they will they act as portals to cyberspace, quote unquote. In cyberspace is where you'll find more traditional uh, 3D and 2.5D Sonic levels, where you can just tear ass through, try to get the best time. Each of these have like four keys that you can unlock. Like you get you get one for uh, finishing the level, you get one for finishing it in the best time, you get one for finding all the hidden red rings, and you get one for like keeping your ring count over a certain level. Yeah, depending on the level, and I think that. That's what's so weird because you called it classic Sonic, but it really is like a. It's like the last ten years, 10, 15 years it's, of Sonic. It's classic three D Sonic. Classic three D Sonic. Much, if you but, but not, not Sonic Adventure, but like the colors in. Um, yeah. uh, oh God, what's that other game that was fun? I can't remember. But like generations. But it, it generations, but it was pioneered by a game before that. And I'm trying to remember what it is because there's. there's, there's there's even that in the Werehog game, for fuck's sake. But where, that's where you, unleashed. That's unleashed. Un- unleashed, where you're running straight ahead and you're dodging things left and right. That, to me, is new 3D Sonic. That, but it's just like, that's not what this game is at its core, but that's also represented. It's in, a, in there. In it's addition in there. to regular 2D Sonic levels. It's odd having all these powers in all of those levels, because sometimes that will mess you up, given, like, there's... Sonic well, the only one that transfers to cyberspace is your boost. You don't the the, right. the combat system the combo, doesn't transfer. And, and again, there's Sonic can do more things than he's ever done in any game, and I'm including Smash. He has more input commands than in Smash Brothers. It's pretty nuts. One thing I do appreciate about the way it approaches open world is we mentioned all the collectibles and mm-hmm. stuff, right? And so, like, actually, the way the game tells stories is you have to collect things throughout the open zones to then go talk to <laughs> NPCs throughout the world. And that's what that's how you see cinematics in this game. So instead of going up to, like, a GTA NPC who's going to give you a quest and, you know, whatever, have some fun to tell or whatever. Cousin! Like, in, in this game, you, you, you have your, your tokens that you're collecting throughout each map, and then you go up to the NPC, and they tell you 
a story and that's how you progress the story in addition mm. to what michael mentioned you know there's four goals in each cyberspace level and those give you keys the keys un- are what unlock the chaos emeralds so like mm. each of the five islands in there you're, you're trying to collect all the chaos emeralds for i still reasons. don't i still don't understand how that works and i cannot get a good explanation on it it it's and, in the tutorials that you admitted you didn't read and so i know but a, it's like it's like i have 270 keys like this needs one more it needs one key or one more. Do I? Does it need two hundred and seventy keys to unlock? It needs two hundred and seventy-one keys. No, because then it's like yes. this took three keys. Yeah. And no, like, that's, that's what? Works, what is that? Because if you walk up to a thing and it says zero, that means you know you don't need any more. You I can know, open that thing. But I've also gone up to things that have zero and I can't do it. But again, yeah, the I, thing is, uh, we should say the the keys stay persistent in your inventory, so it's not like you I think know, that's you, part of the issue. You use four keys, it, like certain things will like you need a lot of keys to open this, but you don't lose yeah, them yeah. because in a Mario right. game, like you have a certain number and you present it. In this game, like and you, you lose give it, it yeah. to things, but it doesn't take off your tally, so it just doesn't make a ton of sense, and I still can't wrap my head around it. Sonic Frontiers available for all the major consoles and on Steam. Not without, not, but I think a successful, ambitious new take on what Sonic should be going forward. And I would much rather see more of this than something like Sonic Forces and especially Sonic Boom. Uh, I would much rather see more Sonic games like this. I cannot wait to see this iterated on because it can only get more amazing. And uh, yeah, can't wait. I love them all. They're all my children. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> Just like all the gods of war, uh, God of War Ragnarok also out this week. Little little indie game from an unknown studio, uh, Stony Santa Monica. Uh, mm-hmm. No, it's... ragtag team uh, <laughs> building this one billion dollar game. Yes, ragtag yes. team of the best in the industry. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so this might be the biggest budget game of the year. I, I don't know. It certainly is one of the most lavish productions that puts I, a I lot of work into a, characters. A first party title that's coming out before the end of the holiday season that can in, in any way compare to this. It's so odd because when this game was announced, I hate to say mm-hmm. it, it was announced so, sort of close to the regular, you know, the last God of War. I'm like, oh, is this uh, like a Miles Morales? Like it, it felt like a 1.5 mm. version no. or whatever. And then they gave it extra time. And it's very obvious now. Like, no, no, this is a full sequel. But at one point I was like, is Ragnarok like coded just sort of like a shorter experience? It's like, no, no. OK, no, this is this is full full-on 40-hour-plus God of War. I, I should say, I should call it God of War 2018, because like, it's so funny how 2018 yeah. has changed our definition of what God of War means. You know, it's no longer mm-hmm. the David Jaffe stuff or whatever. No, well, it's it's so weird, you know, seeing how Kratos has changed from this, you know, this creepy, this scary loner who's like, Kratos does not play well with other people. Like, no. he's, he's like a fucking slasher villain. He's like Michael Myers with a chip on his shoulder or something like yeah, that. Yeah, baby. He exists, yes, exactly. Like, you know, international <laughs> man of mystery. He's Austin Powers. Uh, <laughs> In Greek mythology. Well, he kills like Michael Myers and he fucks like Mike Myers' character in, in the old games. Remember, they used to have the sex mini games. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it is. It is really transformed into like this very. Uh, em- I, I hate to use the word emotional, but it's just like this game evokes emotion really well. Yeah. Uh, in the first couple hours alone, like if you're an animal lover, it's kind of tough. Like know. one of the, one of the very first things you see is uh, 
you know, mild spoilers, Atreus uh, cradling like the head of uh, this wolf that is dying. That is oh, no. is his. It's like a, it's a boy and his dog thing, but like he doesn't want to let go and like, but he wants to live. And yeah, it's 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 a little hard to watch. And there's a couple beats like that early on, not not necessarily with wolves, but with other animals that evoke your sympathy. But then, like you know, uh, Sindri the dwarf shows up, and he's oh, like yeah. this germophobic comic relief character and it's like yeah god of war games never had that element of comic relief before right like here's a character that like is funny to watch and and you end up loving just or like, camaraderie did you, did you end up watching the yeah. recap that's in the main menu i i didn't i just remember the I, first I game photographically it, like, it's, it's good because hmm. like i i if I can just get this, because you guys got to do the Apocalypse Guide, and I agree. I think God of War was one of the best games of that year. Remember I told you like half my TV went out, and I was playing mm-hmm. it in my goggles, uh, in my VR goggles? It was the area where all the flying bugs come out, and you're like hitting those like light bridges. And I found like, wow, the game is really slowing down. I don't know if it was the goggles, but this game is really slowing down for me. And I've started playing it two more times, and I get to that part, and like, the game really slows down here, and I don't like it. It's very boring. Every single move is the same. Every single finishing move is the same. You do it like 90 times as opposed mm. to the rest of the game, which is very varied in environment and uh, moveset. And I I get bored there every time. So you guys platinum the shit out of God oh, of War. Oh, yes. Right? We did. We did. And I, I, I've never even completed it. So one, the tutorial was welcome. Loser. Uh, <laughs> son of a bitch. I, I'm, I'm two worlds into Sonic Frontiers. Um, uh but 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 one, uh, I I didn't get to finish it because I I, I hit my limit. Like I got bored. Hmm. Here I haven't hmm. been bored yet, but I do find it odd that the game starts out the exact same way. Boy, we're having conflicts here. Let's go home. Someone invades mm-hmm. our home, and we have a giant fight where nobody dies. Yeah, <laughs> and the difference <laughs> is that this time the giant fight is uh, on a dog sled. Moving at high speed. Oh, I, I was thinking of once you get back to the house. But, oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but but also like I found like I know who these characters are. It was interesting to see Mister Black show up. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> should I say it? Like I don't know. Yeah, what, we can, like people people know like Richard Schiff is Odin. Uh, but seeing but seeing like who is this guy coming to my door? And it's. Thor, and he, you find that out because you're, he's talking from the back, and then reveals Mjolnir, uh-huh. and and he also looks like the ghost of Christmas Present from the Muppet Christmas yeah. Carol. Here, here's the thing about that scene: if you had finished the first God of War, that is actually yeah. teased after the credits. Yeah. Is so, really? like, if you like, that is a callback for people who finished the first game. It's like, oh shit, I get to see how this resolves. What's going to happen next? I've been waiting for four years. People like. Us, yes. Chris, hey, is what hey, he's saying. hey. <laughs> where, where are you on uh, Monster Hunter Sunbreak? Um, I'm um, all done with disinterested. that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not real people because I focus on Sunbreak. Exactly. <laughs> Glad you um, understand. Yeah, yeah, but but like uh, I, I have not hit a point where I'm bored with this just yet. But it does, man. It does take its time. It does move very slowly. Mm. Yeah. Um, it takes a while to do things. And uh, I sort of wish it didn't, but it also is doing, it, you know, it is, the Last of Us series is so much like the, the, this series. And it, both might be two and through, you according think? to, hmm. the, I don't know why they're closing the book on God of War here. It doesn't really make sense to me. Last of Us, like, these are mortal human beings. They can only be extended and 
been bent and broken to such an extent before they die. Or I need to quit. think I know why, and I think it why? has less to do with. It's just guess. I, I don't know anyone in the studio that's sure. told me this, but me speculation. Um, it has less to do with like the story the games are trying to tell. It's probably more just like these are huge games, yeah. very mm-hmm. expensive, very time Among consuming. Among the most polished games I've ever seen in my life. Like you're talking probably each one all in like seven years of someone's life or something like yeah, that, right? Sure. Like even though forget when Ragnarok was announced, right? They were probably working pre-production as the first one was going out the door and it was like it could just be the team is like, We are done, we're exhausted, I we've know. been working I just, on I just, this, whatever it is for ten years or, or maybe whatever, it's my know? misunderstanding of corporate America because I haven't been there in a while, but how does a Sony owned company Look at a successful Sony-owned property and say, like, we don't want to do anymore. <laughs> well, they did it with Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, well, no, there's more coming with that. And then some Wolverine. No, I meant the Andrew Garfield Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, oh right, right. Did you, did you hear about that? how that happened? I, for some reason, I didn't. They were having a giant Sony, look at all our new shit, it's in Brazil. And Andrew Garfield showed up, like, I'm going to need some days to recover. And he didn't show up. And the Sony bosses from across the globe were like, I don't like this kid. No more Spider-Man movies. Wow. <laughs> no wow, more okay. Spider-Man movies, they said. And that's how that's how he got fired. I, I think if you're Sony Santa Monica, you have enough clout to be like, we'd like to work on something else. But I guess, you can yeah. bet, like, if you are Sony, they can just give it to another studio. Or, or, or there'll be an, a God of War in a different way, like a different God of yeah. War game. It, it just seems odd to me to close the book here because I'm enjoying it much more than I did the last one. Did you unlock the... Um, uh, Oh my God! What are the glaives called again? The uh, chains of Olympus. Yeah, the blades of Olympus. Blades of Olympus. Did you unlock that in the first game? Oh, no, sorry, the blades of chaos. Blades yes, of you chaos. do unlock them in the first game. It is that is that's actually it's a, a spoiler moment. for the first it's game. Yeah, it's huge, a big yeah. dramatic moment because I, I never uh, got there, but you get them immediately here. Yeah, almost immediately. They're I just cried. hanging on the wall. I yeah. cried when that shit happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honey, what are you thinking about? I'm thinking about when <laughs> Kratos got the Blades of Chaos. <laughs> Blades of yeah, Chaos. It's, it's, it's like muffs, you know, the dramatic you moment where the man who swore he'd never fight goes back and gets his gun so how from under the floorboards. How, what, frac- like, what percentage of the game does that come out? Like, like two-thirds? Like two-thirds, yeah. Because yeah. I was even texting you guys like, I didn't know this about Atreus because <laughs> you you know we don't spoil things for one another. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big thing, and I didn't know that. I intentionally didn't spoil it for myself because I thought I'd always finish it, and then here I am playing the second one, not knowing. We that. had a whole cast, and you didn't. I spoil wasn't invited. <laughs> I wasn't invited. Um, but yeah, I mean that's the thing about sequels is they often spoil what happened in yeah. the first game, so it's kind of uh, no longer we? a spoiler. So. Is this what's new in this game so far? I have I haven't started playing it yet, obviously. Um, but uh, what's what's the gimmick? What's the new deal? Like you hadn't at the homing axe last time. I should just let Michael talk, probably. But it just well, the idea before you unlock any new powers or buy anything, there is an elemental system that's way easier to switch to and from. Uh, a cold and a fire, a, a frost yeah. and a fire. The the axe can be powered up with frost. The chains or the blades can be powered up with fire, and that may have been in the first game. I feel it, like it was. It, it's not. It's not doing the Mega Man thing where it's like, yeah, you still have most of your powers from the first game. We'll just mm. gradually reintroduce them to you. No, and, and like I, I had to. He didn't tell me how to do this, but I remembered, like, wasn't there something about, like, fighting unarmed, like, some reason to fight unarmed? Because you would build up more of your rage meter. Yeah, yeah, and I immediately started doing that, and, like, oh, okay, this is really cool, I'm doing executions on everybody, and, like, the game 
either either just said like, well, you figure that out. I'm not going to bother to tutorialize it, or it doesn't tutorialize it. I'm not sure which. Yeah, I, I still actually don't know how to do that yet. You, know, you just put your your weapon away and start punching dudes. I know, but I don't know how to put my guns. weapon away because what used to put my weapon away draws a new weapon. Uh, I think it's down. Is it down? down I told or you, up folks. He doesn't. He doesn't read yeah. the tutorial. I can't read, Matt. It's, it's about time we brought <laughs> this up. I have COVID, Matt. We talk about this is the mature God of War title, right? Like how much more mature it is. Mm-hmm. You just described a system where you beat dudes up with your bare fist to build your rage. <laughs> so you can cut like, them in half. Yes. Maybe By it way, didn't grow up so only much. Only one as well. animation per enemy. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's that's. Two different things, because you have your rage meter that lets you unleash the Spartan rage and just go berserk no! on dudes. And then you uh, you also are, like, building up their, like, stagger. block meter or stagger. Yeah. yeah. So when you stagger them, then you can execute them. I find them impossible. Like Sekiro, boy. But I, <laughs> I, yes, I do like that the combat is not easy, but I'm having a much easier time with it than I did in the first God of War, which was like really difficult to wrap your head around, and I'm I'm coming right off Souls games at that point. Uh, I'm having a much better time here, but it is weird. I've been playing for a couple hours. I'm in the exact same environments of the first game. It's un- unfolding almost exactly like the first game, except hmm. elemental powers are not something you need to re like equip two different weapons. You now can switch weapons, which each have innate elemental powers. I think that's great. That's yeah. a great way to do it. Although there is up. still a gear system. Totally. You will still like swap out parts to get different buffs and abilities and stuff like but that I, on your weapons. I, I'm not an expert here, but like before to do stuff like that, you sort of had to commit to one elemental power or the other by equipping something to your staff. Now it's just like mm-hmm. hit left, hit right. Fire, yeah. frost, fire, frost, fire, frost. Yeah. And I'm Certain sure there's more coming. weak against both right at the beginning. Yep. You're fighting fighting the, what What are they, uh, hell raiders, the zombie raider guys. So, like, you actually fight humans at the beginning of this, which I think you only do at one point in the first game. Really? And Those were all, like, yeah. human humans? They, just, they make zombie, serious Sam zombie noises. Yeah, well, in the first game, they, like, you were fighting mostly Draugr. They're, they're like zombies. And in this one, it's just like... Human raiders are coming after you in the first act, and then and then you get zombie raiders, which are not Draugr apparently, but uh, something else. So, whatever, it's fun. I'm having a lot of fun with it. It is a that it is a gameplay confection. It is just very delicious to play. I can't quite <laughs> articulate it beyond that. It's just like this is the same feeling as like. This cake is really good. I want more. Oh, what, what did you prioritize, Michael? Performance or um, uh, visual? I went with performance. Okay. Always performance. Mm. Don't be don't be a four K schmuck. I don't go performance. I don't remember, but what it, I it does it does have a high frame rate mode, which makes me think like, oh, if I had like a one twenty hertz TV, I could probably take advantage of that with this. So, hey, I had to turn a bunch of weird shit off so I could secretly play a Sonic the Hedgehog game. Thank you so much, Sega. <laughs> uh, and then two. Uh, I, it goes like, what kind of stereo system do you have? And it's just like, I see two speakers. I'm like, a I have five point one Zenith speaker. I, yeah, I, that is that is a pain in the ass it, with the PlayStation I, Five I, specifically. Has the PlayStation oh, Five really? always thought I didn't have surround sound speakers? And it might have. It doesn't save those settings. No, it, it, it turns out I never calibrated them from the main menu, and you have to restart your whole thing to like get them to register yeah. to begin oh. with. Re- Returnal does the same thing, and and what I figured out is this: it's like so if you have 
if it sound like if you have it transmitted through HDMI to your TV, even if you have something else hooked up to the TV, it will only read as far as the TV. And it will just say, oh, TV stereo speakers, got it. And you're like, no, I've got a fucking surround sound system. Yeah. I've got I've got like Dolby surround sound headphones. Please recognize them. It's like, we'll only recognize headphones if you connect them directly to the, the PS5 or you buy the $99 Pulse 3D headphones. That was a little frustrating because it, it, it like it did take an extra like 20 minutes. So, like, what's going on here? Like, the, the PS5 never registered my 5.1. And it, I know one of my speakers is out. So I'm, I'm thinking it's my fault, but like it wouldn't register at all. So like the setup, which is the most streamlined setup of any fucking game I played in a long time on this level. It took me a much longer because I, I didn't know the PlayStation 5 had never registered my 5.1. Never. Yeah. And what's annoying is that like a lot of games would let you just s- specify manually what your system is and this is like no, no it's locked we can tell it's stereo that's it so that, that's that, the that, end that of the did story. happen to you because now to think about it like yeah dark mm-hmm. uh dark the dark souls remake ratchet like they all recognize my 5.1 so did returnal hmm. um hmm. so i don't know why this didn't but it, it took it took a full hmm. restart to get it to recognize huh all right well as long as it recognized it eventually but yeah god of war ragnarok's really good obviously we're not very far into it yet um, if we get more into it, we'll have uh, additional impressions next Richard week. Richard Schiff as Odin yes. is one of the weirdest casting choices, and because <laughs> it's so weird, I'm a thousand times more afraid of him. Mm-hmm. Why is Toby from The West Wing the most feared being in this universe? He hasn't done much yet, but oh god, oh, everyone god. is afraid of okay, him. Okay, how about peace? How about that? Huh? How about that? Yeah. Huh? What yeah. does peace look like? Yeah. What does peace look like? <laughs> I'll use my cell phone on this plane. This does not interfere with the landing gear of the plane. That's the first episode of the West Wing. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I uh, last last game here or Harvestella. Harvestella. So I got a code for this one. Um, this is the one that came out last week from Square that they had promised as like it's sort of like Stardew Valley but with dungeon crawling, um, which Stardew Valley has. But yes, but still. I was going to say. Um, but it, but dungeon crawling in this game is a bigger piece of it, and that's what I've learned so far is. What I love, Stardew Valley, one of my favorite games of all time. I think I've said that on the show. If not, well, there you have it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted this game to start and just like, let me farm, let me fucking farm. And it's like, no, 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 this is a square game, motherfucker. Uh, sit back, we got some cutscenes to go through, right? It, but it's in the service of this is like a J, it's, it's JRPG, it is telling a story. The farming so far feels very incidental, you know, like it's less so than like the fucking Disney Dreamlight Valley that we were playing a few months ago, right? So it, it's like the farming is there, but it's not like Stardew Valley where it's like you can just hit the ground running and, and go. It's like, oh, no, they are taking me through a, a square JRPG storyline. You're in this town. Like, first of all, I think there's like two Iskai stories in one because like the game starts and like my character collapses and they don't know where they are when they wake up. And then the game also starts and like this big meteor thing crashes after I'm just new to the town. There's a lot going on. I don't really. It, it, I'm like, okay, this is not Stardew Valley, which is simple as like your grandpa died, mm-hmm. left you a farm, go. Yeah. Um, your grandpa left you a meteor. I can sense that once I get get past all this stuff, it's actually going to be exactly my type of game. Like this combination of relaxing calm farm sim but with like okay now go off and do some really cool dungeon crawling like i'm here for that mm-hmm. uh it just takes a little longer to get into is what i'm saying but uh but it's neat i, I like it and that one i think it's only on switch and pc like it's not on the other consoles so huh very sus uh all right well let's move along to 
the fuck? What? It's the news sound, Chris. It plays every no, week. No, I just I hadn't actually seen these news items. Uh, <laughs> I had seen other ones really? that I thought would be on here, but these are sort of blowing my mind. Well, why? If your mind's so blown, why don't you introduce our next mini segment, Chris? It's the BGA Hollywood segment. Bapo, see? Yeah, you never look at the town again. You broke. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, now remix right. all that in. Love it. No, yeah, there, there will be a sound effect. There will be echo. Your voice will sound great. <laughs> He yeah, laughs. So he's town. never heard it. I do that with that thing. I've like, heard it. I, I've heard I it. I know what bit. it is. I just wanted it to be there bit. permanently. You're through in this town, kid, unless you suck my balls. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. That's something, that's something that one of the main characters in a Gears of War TV show would yeah. say, Chris. Mm. Suck my balls. Yeah, cradle my resonator. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this is a, there's a new Gears of War a series announced coming to Netflix alongside... Ooh, this is a British product. An adult animated series. Which I don't think sound means what I what think does it that, means. Yeah, like... A, Marcus it just means being, there's murder in the cartoon. chainsaw an ass apart. Um. <laughs> Marcus is going to get his tits out. I, mm. I think they just meant like Castlevania on Netflix. Mm. You know, it's like, yeah, there's going to be lots of murdering going Whoa, on. Oh, this of... my kind of shit play. Says. Uh, this is not to be confused <laughs> with the movie that has long been in sort of development hell out there. And that's the one that like at this point, Dave Bautista's name is sort of being tied to either of these and i'm like i yes. can't imagine anyone else playing marcus yeah. phoenix yes yeah i mean like there's no dude, one as thick as Bautista. Have, have you, look off mic i had one of the longest conversations about interview with a vampire with these guys <laughs> and you knew a lot about <laughs> the Anne rice don't reveal the secret shut up man don't talk about this shit <laughs> don't tell him an Anne rice fan man so Fuck. like john dimaggio is in is in the first couple episodes of that and is he yeah have, we've met all, all met john dimaggio haven't we oh. like He's a been. he's a big fucking guy. He That's is right. He's really the bouncer, tall. right? He is really tall, he, and he is really wide. He, he's not like, yeah, he's not unhealthily big. He is just a naturally big, big dude with a big, big voice. I would love to see him dye his hair black, throw some scars on his face, and just be Marcus. I was just watching him today, and under the red, I was t- my girl's uh, son about under the red hood because he's playing Gotham uh, Gotham Knights. Mm-hmm. And he and he's the Joker in that Under the Red Hood, because fucking uh, 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 I just said his name. Why am I forgetting it now? Who's Marcus Phoenix? John DiMaggio is a much more versatile actor than you would think he is. I would love to see him. He's awesome in Interview with a Vampire. Please cast him in the show, please. I don't want anybody else to do that voice. Oh, oh. no, I was wrong. He's, he's not the bouncer. He's the alderman. <laughs> Jesus. He, the first time we see him, he's uh, been he's bleeding from his head because he, he uh, tried to do something bad with a sex worker. In Interview uh, with a Vampire? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, in real life also. No, no, no obviously not real life. <laughs> no spoiler, but the last time you see him is wonderful. Hmm. Um, Boy, that uh, Gears of War cartoon really is mature, Michael. Um, no, but uh, yeah, so Gears of War stuff coming to Netflix. Let's, Let's see. oh, remember? God, I, I didn't even remember this was a thing. Ugh. Gran Turismo has what? a movie a coming. Did nobody learn the lesson of the Need for Speed movie with Aaron <laughs> who's gonna, Paul? Who's going to play beloved character Gran Turismo? <laughs> Probably, <laughs> perhaps, Jaimon Huntsu, who oh, just okay. was announced to be added to the cast. Huh? Wait, wait, was that... Was that like a Godzilla character? Who is that? 
he's like an, an Academy Award Academy Award winning actor. Yeah, he's like, in Guardians of the Galaxy. He's the guy who, who? says who? Yeah, I know who you're kidding. <laughs> oh, right. I see. That's the bit. He, how did right, you Oh god. But not only him. Not only him. We got her. We fucking we got her, boys. Uh, what? Ginger Spice, Jerry Hollywell yes! is also said. the actual hottest Spice Girl. Oh my Finally. god! Suck it, posh. Uh, she was was she Ginger Spice? I don't remember. I can't imagine anyone else in the role of the Porsche 911. <laughs> I oh my bad, Never Jerry forget. Hollywell Horner. I wouldn't want to get that wrong. Jerry Hollywell Horner. Um, ah, um, yeah. Is she married Ginger James, James Horner. Oh, oh. <laughs> but she's gonna be in the Gran Turismo movie. Cannot yes. Wait. Um, uh, before uh, you can compete in this race, you need to drive around in a circle for 19 hours in this Netflix series. Don't worry, <laughs> every episode will autoplay eight times. So we'll see yeah, if like, you qualify. Well, well, I, I'm trying to imagine what that movie would be. It's like it's basically going to be Ford v Ferrari, but based on a video game instead of real events. Like, maybe, maybe. I, I, Matt, I, Matt, I quote you all the time Thank because you. Matt, behind the scenes, had worked in Hollywood in addition to games. And I just remember, I loved what you were saying about the hubris of Hollywood. Like we know, we know how to manage this property better than the people who've been managing it for decades. If if Gran Turismo needed a narrative, <laughs> it would have had one. <laughs> and, and it would have had one already. I'm frankly if shocked wanted it hasn't. That, no one's yeah, requested that. No one's asked I for mean, that. You go to that cafe in the latest one, and they they talk to you. You know, there's something going on there. I guess. I, I, I'd talking. like to imagine my character is carrying on a romance with the person who runs the, the cafe. It's, it's Any of us on. seen the Aaron Paul Need for Speed movie? No. no, no why make this? <laughs> why make this? And, and also, did you also see the news story? Aaron Paul this week officially became Aaron Paul? Paul's no. his middle name? Really? Oh. Yeah, and he like he dropped his like real old name. So he's Aaron Paul now. Don't you fucking dead name the thing we didn't know he was before today. Right. Don't you dare. I'm just I'm just glad he's not related to Logan and Jake. <laughs> yes. Why? That dude tore it up at uh pay per view this week. I don't care. I literally tore it up. His ACL <laughs> Yes, no he did he, he tore his ACL and his MCL. His MCL, like, which uh, by the way, I don't I assume those are Japanese soccer games. That's what he tore up. The- ACL is actually shorthand for asshole. <laughs> Great. I tear that every time I go to Arby's. Man. Um, hey, Nintendo had a Switch Indie what? Showcase uh, where they, they kind of announced a lot of stuff. The thing I am most excited about, I literally sent it to you guys in a text. I was like, holy shit, the follow-up to Golf Story is coming this December. Sports Story is coming this December. December. Tell me more, because Golf Story was wonderful. Golf Story is like perfect. It is a golf RPG where this is the follow up to that 2017 classic Golf Story. Uh, yeah, it's it, it just includes more sports, but you can bet it's just going to be because isn't that what original Mario Golf was? It was like yeah, this is an RPG. Yeah, with some well, golf the, games the second Mario Golf, I think what Camelot took them over became like well, at least the Game Boy games, Mario Golf and Mario Tennis became like dense amazing rpgs and that bled a little into the main series but golf story is carrying the gba camelot rpg sports game mantle that nintendo has abandoned and they're going deeper they're leaning more into that because this new one contains not only golf you got tennis soccer bmx volleyball and cricket not to be forgotten and then when you're not competing there is dungeon exploration in this game (laughs) In of addition course. to hanging out at the mall, solving mysteries. So, yeah, man, fucking sports story, game of the year. You know, I don't know about that, but it looks pretty good, and, and I'm going to pick it up when it comes sports out in December. Story. Sports story. Um, Rogue Legacy 2, 
made a roguelike move and kind of made a surprise appearance. It is now available on Nintendo Switch today. You Didn't can go know get it, it wasn't, today. That's great. One of no, our favorite games it was, of the year it was, so it, was, far. it actually wasn't even on PlayStation. It was a, a Steam and Xbox exclusive hmm. uh, upon release. And to be honest, like, you know, it, it was surprisingly... Uh, resource intensive as a game so i'm 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 hmm. actually pretty shocked it's on this on the switch if it could perform there hmm. it's yeah. a great this is one of my favorite games of last year so pick it up any way you can i mean this year but yes was it this year it's this year yeah god we talked damn. about it in june yeah. life is awful yeah it's slow <laughs> right weird well you know it's not slow as pepper grinder it's the new oh. action adventure from devolver digital it's a Good looking pixel art game looks pretty cool. Looks like it has some cool wait, wait, combat. Wait, wait, wait. Digital Devolver is making a pixel art game. I know. I, don't I know. I don't know. They're stretching. They're getting out of there. Uh, let's see. Uh, Have a nice death is a roguelike starring the Grim Reaper that's coming next year. Uh, they're looking for the big announcements here. A lot of these again, it's the indie showcase, so it's kind of your mileage may vary. <laughs> Things you bought on Steam two years ago are now coming to Nintendo. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Once Upon a Jester is an improv theater video game. Yes, uh, and <laughs> I don't know. It, it's just yeah. It looks the story of two guys who steal a diamond and go in the royal theater. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, that it, is, that they're, is they're my claiming... favorite show-stopping improv joke I do for anybody who tells me they do improv. It's based <laughs> yes, on and. on a joke in L.A. story where he's like, oh, yeah, uh, Daphne over here is taking a course in conversation. Oh, you're taking a course in conversation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then he nods until he finishes chewing. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, they're claiming no two performances within the game are the same, so it looks like it's going to have some replay value just from that. Hey. Um Desta, The Memories, is a game about dodgeball in your dreams. Wow. It is the creators right. of Monument Valley. So Monument Valley. That game is awesome might game. be the best iPhone game I've ever played. It's pretty good. It's very pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, but yeah, in, in this new game by those creators, you compete uh, in a ball game during your dreams. Perfect throws, trick shots can change the course of the narrative according to IGN. Wow. Well, yeah. so. so it's like Pyre. Could be. Hmm. Could be. Yes. I don't know. There's a lot of other stuff showcased, but those are the Spike biggies the ball, for me. Spike the save the world. Mm-hmm. Those, yes, those were the coolest things to me. I don't know if you guys saw the showcase. And that's there was the VGA else. indie segment. Did coffee talk two. Oh. Epi- top, coffee talk episode two coming. If you like coffee talk one, talk, yes, coming. Get a sequel. So, nah, I'm pretty. Anyway, coffee talk. Coffee talk. They also showed off a game I know Michael and I love. It's coming to Switch. Inscription. Uh, yeah. Hey, uh, finally. That's going to be interesting. December 1st. December 1st. Why, why do you say that, Michael? Nice, nice. I don't know. Just uh, I, I guess it wasn't very a very visually lavish game, but uh, something about it just feels like, you know, it would have to shrink down a bit to fit on the it Switch. It feels right? dark for it, the is, system. Is mm. that, were the controls, like, very PC-centric? It, well, it's, it's one of those games that's a little bit like Doki Doki Literature Club, where at one point I was like, are they fucking... With me pretending they're fucking with my computer in this game, mm. like there's a little bit of that fourth wall breaking stuff where it, it'll be interesting to see how they do that on Switch, which they did. I think Doki Doki Literature Club came to Switch, so yeah, yep, they, they did uh, that on Switch. They did Undertale on Switch, which does similar things. So uh, yeah. yeah, it's not the same thing, but there there are some. That game goes places. Is all I'll yeah. say. It's one of my favorite games of the hmm. current of recent years. So yeah. Well, that's everything announced there. Uh, Final Fantasy 16. This was not announced, but this perhaps leaked. Um, 
in a PlayStation 5 ad uh, was saying that's coming to PS5 for six months exclusive before it hits mm. other platforms. So I got to say, as exclusives go, six months is actually not that bad. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. And Final Fantasy, what, 7 Remake was only on PlayStation. So, like, yeah, is that ever? I was, yeah. I was just Googling that now. Has it ever come to Xbox, the remake? No, I, uh, I thought didn't Sony have some money involved in development of that one or something? Like, there's a reason. Yeah, it's I, I don't, I don't know, but like, it's not like Seven came to other platforms during the life cycle of the PS1 either. Yeah, I guess it just came to PC, yeah. not Xbox. But I mean, Square is sort of notorious, especially with Final Fantasy. Like, it's they've they've run the gamut of platform exclusivity, right? It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. we, we were with Nintendo for a while. Oh, now we're with Sony. Oh, we're going to do some more stuff exclusive to Nintendo, but only this Nintendo platform. So. You sluts! Uh, but, but <laughs> it's so weird, but in, in you know, our, our, our world now is a little Game Pass-y, let's say. So that basically says, like, this will be a full-price game for six months. You know, I can I got something you can take when you get Game Pass-y. It's fine. <laughs> to make it pass. <laughs> I hope it's some Beano. Some bro. <laughs> oh. Uh, but I'm not kidding. Like, if, if it's a PlayStation, like, seriously, if you look at what's happened with, like, console exclusives, the moment they're not console exclusives, they hit PS Plus or Game Pass. So it's this is almost a way of making it a full price game for six months. True. Uh, the other thing that was very interesting with this, that, you know, conspiracy theory and all that, back when the game was revealed mm-hmm. at a PS5 showcase, this was in 2020, September 2020. There. The live stream included words that said also available on PC. Mm-hmm. Then when the official trailer was uploaded, it removed mentions of that Ooh. PC thing. So there's already some weird thing about platforms with Final Fantasy 16. So Ooh, the intrigue. Mm. Uh, let's see. Street Fighter 6 is proving. I think they're proving that Capcom learned their lessons with 5 because it's getting... Basically, a button masher mode. It's they're calling it a dynamic control scheme that is meant to help button mashers excel. So it it's like it's like basically yeah. Like if you just want to go in there and see cool shit and mash buttons, we got a system. For I, got, you. I got an old buddy I should get on the show. Um, uh, our boy Seth, because he, he he built that game for Riot before he left there. Remember that uh, Rising Thunder? Yeah, but that yeah, was that was based on on maintaining the timing and learning of street fighter but making the inputs easier it was for everything to do. single button right it, it was single button inputs it, but i think it yeah, was mostly based on cooldowns. So street fighter has its own cooldown system so like it's not like that doesn't exist in a regular street fighter game i'm not the expert on it but like i talked about that with him for months and he, he did think like a barrier to entry to the game is not being able to pull off the inputs so making that easier for people shouldn't necessarily fuck with competitive play uh, it, it shouldn't. It should level the playing field and bring more people into competitive play. So mm. whatever they can do to do that and keep keep that series alive and well, man, I love my Street Fighter. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I think what's interesting is this is like a third control scheme for the game. So they Maybe, had already yeah. announced like, yeah, you have your standard. They have that modern control option that simplifies things. I think that's meant to be like, yeah, single button press. Then there's this dynamic system which I really want to know, okay, well, how does this work? Is it just kind of like memorizing how you tend to mash buttons? Like, But it, it's a it, third it's, option. It sounds like you mash buttons, and it will just bust out different combos regardless of yeah. your inputs. I mean, it, yeah, if you think about it, it's probably difficult combos are a hold. 
not combos, but like special moves, that is a holdover of the arcade days. They were meant to be difficult, so you would pump more quarters in, so you could like pull off these moves that are, as of right now, rumors. That doesn't make mm-hmm. sense in the console where, where there's a training mode. Yeah, they are going to disable this though in online play. This is meant for local play ah, only. It's their easy mode. See? So, but again, like remember, Street Fighter Five was so like Capcom being like fucking esports. We're leaning yeah. into the FGC. Well, this is our FGC game. This isn't the first time Capcom has tried something like this. I remember when uh, Capcom versus SNK Two came out for Xbox and GameCube, and that was marketed as EO for easy operation and what that let you do was rather than do the control inputs for like reuse fireball or yeah whatever you could just flick the right uh, analog stick in a different Mm -hmm. direction and it would just like oh uh, upper right is sonic boom lower uh, flick it down for um, flash kick whatever is guile and uh, that I seem to remember made it into online play and it kind of made the competition suck because mm-hmm. like here's somebody who's like if if I'm an old school player I'm I'm trying to do the the button combos to do the the moves the right way and somebody's just like busting up fireball after fireball after fireball like in rapid succession uh and but, it, but that's yeah, what pros great. are like when they play right like they can do all that shit like just yeah I don't think I was playing against move. pros I think I was playing against people and, who I, and I do cheap. not mean to speak for the pros but I'm saying like why I don't come play competitively more because I'm not going to put hundreds of hours into shit but part of the competitiveness is knowing like what needs to be done and when and that doesn't have a lot of, to do with complicated inputs or it shouldn't it would be it would make things more open for people because there's some mm. some inputs if you've messed around with Bonner Street Fighter like how would you ever pull this off without an arcade stick? This is this is fucking ridiculous. Well, the, the big Zangief attacks, like I've never been able to really yeah. do on a controller because I, I don't. I practice for hours and I can never pull them off consistently, and, and that kept me from playing more competitively. So I would love to see an easier input mode. And I know I'm not wrong because people who like built the battle system have all gone on to do that in their fighting games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, uh, just another reason for me to look forward to Street Fighter Six. I'm like, cool. Like you're making this accessible. Where, man, I'm just there for some really cool character shit with Ryu. Like that's why I want to play this game. <laughs> and the, yeah, the, the, if the gameplay has systems to make it more accessible to people like me, great. Yeah. I'm all for it. And Matt also loves to watch him age in what he calls Matt time. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Well, what I do is I set the age all the way up to 99, so we use tits jiggle the most when he's yeah, fighting. Yeah. <laughs> his teeth fall out with Dang everything. Dangling down to his knees. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that is a dead or alive reference. Balls are falling out of um, his game. <laughs> so, last bit of news. This is a strange one. Um, Horizon... I thought it was like a Sony thing because yeah. it's, it's like run by a studio. Yeah, it's Gorilla, so like owned by Sony. If they're not whole owners, they're at least a majority owner. But here's the thing: there's a rumor out there that NCSoft is hiring up for a Horizon MMO, so an MMO based in the world of Horizon Zero Dawn and Forbidden West. It's a good universe for that. And from the last game, which I thought was action oriented, it was mostly talking sitcom uh so <laughs> why not expand the lore and keep it it makes more sense as an mmo with that much fucking talking good lord i, I just wonder is it taking place after the events of this, this stuff or is this a prequel it's like before it's, the world becomes the post 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 one of the few like, games where i think like a prequel here would be really good to see this universe come to be or form itself mm-hmm. it's it's a very good world 
Horizon. And see how the robot yeah, dinosaurs are made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that NCSoft would have pitched Sony on this and gotten their blessing to yeah. do and, and a licensed it, like, game. This is probably not any of our area of expertise, but Sony did kind of help pioneer the MMO with Sony Online, which I think mm-hmm. they got rid of. So they no longer have a studio that has expertise in this field. They, they, that's, so Sony Online became Daybreak Entertainment. Right. Like they, they became the, the, independent. Daisy people? Whatever. I think they were still doing like DC Online Universe for a little while. But it was, it was first yeah. party Sony for the longest time. Because EverQuest is a pioneer in this. Um, yep. That's mm-hmm. first party mm-hmm. Sony. But they absolutely, uh, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't force Guerrilla Games to learn how to make an MMO at all. They they should work with someone like NCSoft to figure this out. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean, it helps them figure out. MMOs, let's pretend so. this is the sure. modern era. We need clicks. I am angry about this, and I challenge. Ooh. I challenge you to like, comment, and subscribe, and leave your comment about how angry you are as well. <laughs> how are we dare doing this right? Give this to NCSoft. God, yeah, no, podcasting when you're forty is weird. <laughs> I challenge you to to fight me in this yeah. virtual space. Yeah. Ah. At me, motherfucker. I got that new check mark for eight bucks. I can say whatever I want. <laughs> what a waste of money. <laughs> I mean, patreon.com slash laser time. For less yeah. than eight bucks. <laughs> We're yeah. much better. We we give endless entertainment for the money. This is not without uh, benefit. And at least it doesn't go to Elon fucking Musk. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> but it is without any further news because that's all that's the news. Fit too. Fit We're not charging you for a free service. You still get the show for free. <laughs> Man, the ideas that were floated today, like, yeah, hook it up with your bank account. No, what? I don't want to hook Twitter up to my bank account. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. I up. did. How about I hook up your mouth with my balls? <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have. So I know. That's, that's, that's such an easy That's the kind of thing I hope when Michael dies, that's in the montage. <laughs> that's on my tombstone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So let's move on to the community segment, which is always the segmenting our community. Last week's question, as you might remember, was what's your favorite trilogy? Uh, From the official Laser Time community on Facebook, Cody Smith said, my favorite trilogy is the Zelda Wind Waker trilogy. Wind Wind Waker itself is a little easy, but stands out as an amazing Zelda experience. Phantom Hourglass tried new things with a central main dungeon that might have been a bit repetitive, but it was a unique idea worth trying. It's my least favorite, but again, it's it's a new idea and it's ambitious and it was worth trying. It's Mm. not terrible. It's not game-breaking, but it's just... The weakest one of the trilogy. I love his answer. Sorry. Cody Smith has a great answer. The art style lends itself to the DS better than other 3D games on the system. I would say things went, quote, off the rails a bit Ah! with Spirit Tracks, but that would be me doing the public transportation system in Hyrule a disservice. They had interesting puzzles. For example, pulling out a map, then closing the DS to imprint information from the top screen to the map on the bottom screen. That was really yeah, I, I, I could never figure out how they did that one because I'm like, you're making the system sleep right now, like, and I, yeah, with the memory transfer, I'm like, how, how does that even work? Because that no, puts I the just, thing to sleep. I remember back in the back in the day, I think it was not a requirement, but it was a really fun thing to do when you close your DS and open it was supposed to do something. And I'm trying to remember, shit, what was that? Drawn to life or uh, drawn to life? Maybe. But you're, you're building this town of people and things and every time you'd close the lid it would be like ah oh! you hear like thousands of town people go ah oh! and you'd open it up and be like yay <laughs> yay 
things used to happen. Yeah. Things that you'll be hard to emulate. I think it was a a Mario and Donkey Kong adventure Mm -hmm. that uh, did something similar where, like, you'd close it and it's like, you'd hear Mario go, bye-bye. And then you open it up, it's like, okie dokie. Is your mama asleep? Good. (laughs) Anyway, it says, I played these games while I was stationed at Naval Hospital Guam in the ER overnight when forced to work the front desk. Honorable mention to my favorite portable Zelda of all time, the Minish Cap, which is also in this heavily stylized art style and, I think, also happens at that universe. I don't think it does. Uh, Maybe Chris has some insider notes on these games from his time at Capcom. I mean, like... uh Brett introduced me to the designer of that game was still there when we mm. were. Um, but that's that's all I know. I, I actually have not played Minish Cap. I have not finished Minish Cap. I've started it like 15 fucking times. It is one of Brett's favorite games. Hmm. Um, play Luke, through it Luke, to better understand it. Luke Batty, who I, I want to read his response because I want to apologize to him because I, I was being sarcastic. Love you, Luke. I was not trying to be mean to you this week. Uh, but in, his in name, of, by the way, is pronounced Beatty. Beatty, Luke, go Beatty. away, Beatty, go away, Beatty. Um, <laughs> sorry, Luke, I'm wall dressed like Joker this week. Uh, in terms of games <laughs> that are three entries, and uh, that's it. I, again, love your answer, Luke. I'd love. I, I'd go with Max Payne. Three of the best action games ever. And aside from the weird faces, Max Payne one, they all hold up very well. Uh, in terms of a trilogy with a larger series, I'd also go with Sucky Dan one through three. Uh, Sui three Coden, inc- please. He Sui was just Coden. our guest. How can you say that? So, three, three <laughs> incredibly uh, uh, good RPGs with great stories, and they all connect in some way via save transfer, enhancing the whole trilogy experience. Even more, uh, uh, another series that holds up. Then he cut. I was going to ask Michael that. Did 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 you think any of your saves carried over in God of War Ragnarok? Um, I don't think they do. Okay, I'm not sure. I don't get this. I don't get the impression that they do. Okay. I don't, I don't either, because I know there was, like, DLC shit I didn't activate, and my inventory's pretty empty. Hmm. You'd have a lot of gear if they carried over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah let's see. Philip Longay, Longette says, uh, The Tomb Raider trilogy from Crystal Dynamics is a standout for me. Yeah, man. This is very much a Chris Antista move. I got the third one as part of PS Plus a couple Stop. years ago, then played for an hour, put it down, went back and bought the first two so I could play them first. I say it's a you move because that's like you with every movie it's, it's, franchise it's in the, the world. He, Philip made like the adult proper move. Like, oh, this is good. I'm going to experience this all in the order it's supposed to be played in. Great. Great idea. In, because instead this, of starting Friday the 13th with like look, the fifth one or whatever. This was back in the... I couldn't download Friday the 13th 1 through 7. You said to go to goddamn mom and pop video store and hope there weren't a bunch of pedophiles in the porn room. And then you navigate over to the R-rated section and you pretend you have a fake ID. Yeah, I would like to rent Nightmare on Elm Street: The Dream Child. Wait, <laughs> wait you pretended you had a fake ID. You pretended so you pretended to have a fake thing. <laughs> I did. I, I did. I did. But it was my Blockbuster card, which I put a, I put a red dot on, so everyone knew oh, this guy. This it. guy fucks. Mm-hmm. Well, if, yeah. if you have two pretends, they cancel each other out, and it's real. Everyone knows mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick McLafferty says Castlevania 3, Dracula X, Rondo of Blood, and Symphony mm. of the Night if I want to go with an unusual definition of a trilogy within a larger franchise. Sure. That is unusual. There is a through line, though, and there is a reason that this will probably be the basis of future seasons of the anime. That's mm. true. Al- uh, Alucard is introduced in Castlevania 3, and then he... Uh, Symphony of the Night stars him and is the sequel to Rondo of Blood. So 
Light 30 2010 plug, we're talking about Bram Stoker's Dracula, which Oof. is always fun to talk about. That movie's ridiculous. But, yeah, I, I, I've been thinking about something kicking around in my head. Mm. That if you've seen the ending of uh, the Castlevania anime, I don't want to spoil too much, but it does oh, it, kind they, of... they concluded the... It is concluded. Well, the, 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 story. the Trevor storyline is concluded. But if you see the end of it, right. it's like, it seems unlikely... That Dracula would return after this. And I was just thinking about that initial speech, you know, the what is a man? <laughs> it was not by my hand that I am once again given flesh. I was brought here by humans, etc., etc. Imagine that it. same speech, but forlorn, frustrated. Mm. Like he doesn't want to be here. And and like he doesn't he doesn't want this role, but the the Belmont is here, and you know what? Fuck the Belmonts. Let's kill this asshole. I'm so, not even supposed to be here today. Exactly, today is my exactly. day off. Uh-huh. When you yeah. said forlorn, I thought you meant Michaels. Right, but why not? <laughs> right. yeah. Do it a little. Sad. Jesus Christ! You are SNL poisoned. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the same thing. Uh, Do it for uh, Lorne. Do it for Lorne. I, I love. Annoying Michael on accident because that was very clearly like, ugh, shut God. up, guys. Yeah. The show's like 48 years old. It's not even that good anymore. It really is. Jeff BTW says it's uh, very hard to pick one trilogy, but there is uh, th- that is the question, so I'll answer it. My number one trilogy is Mass Effect Fear. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, Crisis, Dead Space, and Bioshock. All my favorites, but my favorite favorite is uh, Fallout Three, New Vegas, and Four. Now that's ah, that, a trilogy. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's like a two and a half trilogy. Like, mm. I mean, New Vegas is a full game, but you know, it, feel, it feels officially bizarre how long it's been since Fallout Four has been followed up on, right? Because Anne was on this show last time we talked about Honestly, Fallout Four coming out. I wouldn't mind like call that a trilogy. Be like, we're done with this type of Fallout game for a while. But they're like, not. Because, like, 76, four... they just wanted to charge more microtransactions. But, but like 4 very much was like, oh, this is just 3 again. Like, like there's more, a lot more of it, but this is just 3 again. Like, uh, yeah. I, uh, give me give me something new, man, for 5. But they won't. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, you old so-and-so on the Twitter says that uh, the original Ace Attorney trilogy told a complete story in a way that was very satisfying and bittersweet yeah. to see through. I'm quite glad the series didn't end there, but it seems unlikely any of the games could ever hit in just the same way. Yeah, I, I wish I was in a better position to tell you that it was intentionally made to be a trilogy. I don't I don't think anybody saw that game succeeding, so every subsequent game was kind of a miracle. Um, but the, the first three games do tell a remarkably coherent, like, you could end it here if you wanted to, but nobody wanted to see this series end, and we probably won't. It ain't over. Even though there hasn't been a game in 10 years. So, new question of the week. In honor of Atari 50 and all these old consoles we were talking about, uh, I know a lot of our readers, or, or sorry, a lot of our listeners <laughs> skew a bit younger than us. Uh, and for whatever reason, like, I, I'm i fascinated by certain types of nostalgia that are older than I am or that are before my time. So what is... A game nostalgia, or like a, a type of game nostalgia, or nostalgia for a certain time or generation ah. that is a bit before your time, but is interesting to you, is intriguing mm. to you. Yeah. Um, 
for me, I, I'm going to say, uh, well, you know, Dan's type of nostalgia, you know, he shares a lot of it with me, but also like his goes back to the Atari 2600 days. He has genuine passion for yeah. that stuff. Um, for me, that's always been a little bit baffling because when I try to go back and play 2600 games, I get, you know, like this seems very shallow. It doesn't hold my interest for very long. But then I hear people talk about it. Right. And it's just like, I want to hear all about this. I want to hear all the stories of old Atari. I want to hear, uh, you know, how how did Yars Revenge become the best game ever that I don't really understand? Uh, we, we, didn't, we didn't elaborate on it, but I mean, that's what I thought was fascinating. When I grew up, it was like games are in arcades and slowly mm -hmm. Nintendo branched out. So no matter what our age difference, Dan, Michael, and Matt and I kind of had the same arcade experience until like, the Street Fighter boom, like we all know this. I love Jungle King. I think the game was made when I was two. I love Donkey Kong. The game is made when I was one. Mm. So it, it, there, there was still stuff coming, but it wasn't. It was, but it was much, many. much slower. And like the, the the hits in the arcade stayed around for like a decade. Uh, if, if that was your, oh yeah, well they, they're still around. Right. Like those totally. those old early '80s machines are still like some of the most popular. Yeah, my, mine is it's similar to Michael's, but it's like different take on it so it's very much so i was born in 1978 mm -hmm. uh, same, same as michael same, right yeah. and so I, I carry this weird nostalgia for the late 70s because as we've talked mm -hmm. about on other laser time shows really the decades sort of blend in and leak into one another right. so like if you grew up like me when i was starting to be aware of things in the early 80s it was still very much a late 70s feel and that carried over with video games so like I didn't realize this actually until tonight when I was thinking about it. Like I had an Atari 2600, which I always thought weird. I'm like, that makes no sense. Why was I the youngest in the house? Like I had a big brother. Why did I get that? And then I realized, oh, because it was the old system no one wanted yeah. anymore. That's right. how it ended up in my room. But I have nostalgia for Atari because I had one in my but, but room the time, with a bunch of games and they were all hand-me-down. By the time I'm know? into video games in 1988, my mom would always go to this consignment shop and Atari games were 20 Sense. Sense. Yeah. Sense. Yeah. Sense. And like I could bring as many of them home and I didn't I never got to like love them, but like I don't know, I thought that was really cool. And it was very similar with the arcade scene though, of like, yeah, we would so when I was a kid, like, you know, eight, nine or whatever, I would go into arcades and there was some new stuff, but like Chris was saying, like, the hits from the early, early eighties were still very much there, right? And mm -hmm. so I could tell it was this weird transition period between original arcade craze you know when people were like flooding arcades or whatever to street fighter craze right like there was this weird in-between period where i could feel people having nostalgia for like that late 70s 1980 like what, what you see in fucking war games yeah right like when in the in the intro of war games like that was people loved arcades and was a big thing and we were you know like people michael and i's age and chris is just a little younger than us is like i think we were there to kind of see that and mm -hmm. see people remembering those days before it swung into this whole other kind of phase of arcades with the Street Fighter craze. It's you know? super infectious. Yeah, I was hanging out with my girl's kid today, and he, he's like, yeah, I, I really like that last Batman movie. And then he asked just, who's this character? I'm like, oh, I can be useful. <laughs> I can tell him who this Batman <laughs> and nostalgia before his time. And that totally happened with us. I think through arcades, I, I had something. What did Michael say? Introduce your thing again, and then maybe I'll catch it again type of video game nostalgia that was before your time but is still intriguing to you no the, no but what you said what, what was i said atari answer? atari 
Yeah, just um, that Atari Twenty Six Hundred era and that 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 fandom for more, it. More than that, I want to say uh, Padukin, the show. Uh, that... You're nostalgic for Padukin? No, but I, I find it incredibly. Fa- I, I was always nostalgic for the games they talk about on Padukin, and and what. I, I should say, Rob... Yeah, but those were of your time. Jer- like, no, no, they were not. No, they, they very much about the early were not. Stuff. Like, uh, they very mu- the, the games they cover, I am like... Up until recently, like I am like fucking two. I am ten and under. And Adam of Padukin is, young, is ten years younger than me. So that's not his nostalgia. And, and that's why I love those guys. Because when they talk about finding those games and fixing them up and the things that are weird about them, it's not just about playing them. It's about how weird they were to touch or how weird they are to fix. Or the thing that is like, it gets you somehow intimately involved. Not a, not. I know what you're thinking, Michael. Not on a sexual level. Even though your hands are all up inside there with all the grease and gears. <laughs> but 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 like I've, I, it's what I've I've always always loved about the show. It's a deeper conversation than what just what the game is. It's about the mechanisms inside it because they those the, I, I I just went to a party with those guys and I love talking to them about that. Like how how hard it is to fix a steering wheel or or, or like uh like I, I have this old joust machine next to me why does this have 90 motherboards all up inside <laughs> it to play this game most people could play in a fitbit it's 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 fascinating the to learn physics system in joust is still like it's still groundbreaking cool. shit dude like it's, it's still it's still pretty cool it's a megabyte feels game like it's falling is what i'm saying that people worked their ass off to make and when i listen to badukin and i go to flipping great arcade and i talk to those guys I, I learn about those games on an intimacy that I can't possibly have because uh, our, our. I always say that my first couple of years of my life, I thought Pizza Hut was the arcade. I thought they made Pasher. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I thought, yeah, yeah. I thought they yeah. made Joust. I thought they made Mappy. I, I, I didn't know hmm. games. Games didn't really come into my life until I was eight, and uh, yeah, like the uh, but the arcade scene was always around. I was always playing stuff at grocery stores. I love saying. My dad was into soccer. He'd go play soccer. I'd play in the little soccer field. And I would watch this old guy wheel out in a truck with a 90-foot extension cord, Pac-Man, years past its prime, onto Mm. a field with no shelter. It might rain. It's still worth it. Pac-Man will make this much money on a quarter-to-quarter basis in, like, 1988. Uh that kind of shit is fast. Like that kind of obsession with there's fewer games and, and and having the patience to learn how to play them, especially with, at that kind of premium. I love listening to arcade stories, and that's why why I love listening to Padukin. I recommend you do too, um, uh, and, and why I, I'm more fascinated now with arcade era stuff. The same way I talked to Dan, like I just wasn't there, but it, it's the building blocks for what I did love. It's the, it, the DNA spread to what I, I am obsessed with. So I'm therefore obsessed with the stuff I have no nostalgia for. That's why I love what uh, Atari 50 represents. I really do. Um, can't, uh, couldn't be more excited for it. Can't recommend it more. Not drunk, I could just barely breathe. <laughs> Get back. Oh, I also am nostalgic for getting my booster on time and getting mm-hmm. uh, uh, for everyone else getting vaccinated when they can because I wish I'd gotten my booster on time. Uh, maybe this wouldn't have happened. 
But as I told you, now about four weeks after all this, and then you get your booster. I, I know if I get, and if I get the bivalent, the I, I will have the infinity gauntlet of COVID immunity for about six months. For like a good six weeks, yeah, yeah a good six, six weeks <laughs> before the new variants. I will have I will have six <laughs> six blockades for the next six COVID. glorious weeks at the holidays, though, man. Yeah. You know, you couldn't have timed it better. Hmm. So what's a video game nostalgia that was before your time but still intrigues you? Uh, you know, it doesn't even have to be before your time necessarily. It could be something you missed. Mm-hmm. Like, I missed a lot of uh, early 90s PC gaming, and I yeah, know that it has yeah. a lot of devotees. But, uh, like, to me, that's it, all, all games are interesting to hear about, mm-hmm. unless you like the Toys R Us or the, the Tiger R Zone, in which case, go fuck yourself. Uh, <laughs> Michael, Michael, I got the kill screen on the Tiger pinball game. Oh, that mm. orange, pink, and blue machine. <laughs> so many times. I just remember doing that because it was the only thing I could bring on the road before the Game Boy existed. Yeah. No, actually, that is that is the one nostalgia that absolutely baffles yeah. me. Like, how did people ever... Like, why, why does anyone have nostalgia for the Tiger LCD games? Like, those are games we knew sucked at the time when they were new. Yeah, but, they were never but, good. But more than that, when I think about the pinball one, I think about it like an actual pinball game. Okay. Not a thing that is proportionally showing me where the ball is every nine inches, <laughs> which, which is how that game worked. It, it, it is technically a big line. Yeah, that's lion what she sheet. said. I, well, not Show to you me. where the ball is she every nine inches. She never said that to me. <laughs> Does that even make sense as a sexual My metaphor? dick is only nine inches uh. from the ground. <laughs> you should go see a doctor about that. <laughs> I, I do I, I got Falcon's disease hopefully he's still listening uh, and being an asshole <laughs> I can only use it to knock out drywall it's terrible <laughs> I, I can only use it to, to play red faction Armageddon um, <laughs> organically I should have gotten more laughs out of that in my life it was a good game joke good game oh, joke Michael I, I no, you mean Red Faction Gorilla. God damn it, I got Wicked yeah, Forest! That's why we didn't laugh. Own, joke. God. I was confusing, like, that was the first, per- the, the first person shooter that wasn't very no, good. No, that was the I, third I, one. Armageddon was the third. Whatever. Fucking flew too close to the sun there, I eh? Know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Somebody put me down. <laughs> okay, let us know what is, what is the nostalgia that is intriguing to you, but not yours. Uh, go to vigigampocalypse.com, assuming it's working. Uh, if oh, it is, and, leave and a I, comment I will, I will under. Say, uh, movie-wise, we have this all the time. Jaws. Mm. Yeah, I, like I saw. I became obsessed with movies with Jurassic Park, and I saw Jaws afterwards. I liked it. I just thought that like this is very clearly a sequel to Jaws by the guy who made Jaws, and I think hmm. Jurassic Park is a better movie. Uh, but I pretend to like love Jaws because like everyone I know who loves movies loves Jaws. It's part of their nostalgia, not mine. Um, yeah. Jaws is new I, nostalgia I, for me. I unironically love Jaws because I grew me up too. watching it on TV when I was a kid. We didn't have cable, uh, so like I, I recorded Jaws two first. There it is, Matt. I saw Jaws two before. Jaws I ever, two is the slasher. Movie, I saw Jaws two with commercials over and over again before I ever saw Jaws one. And, and that's it. better than I would have given you credit for. I would have said you saw Jaws three D, but not in three D. Like that would have right, paid you let, more. For let that. me tell them where to answer. Uh, 
VideoGamePocalypse.com, assuming it's working, episode 497, answer into the comments. Alternately, you can go to the official LaserTime community on Facebook. There'll be a thread there where you can answer. It might not have the image. Look for it. Uh, and finally, uh, you can ping us on Twitter, at VGApocalypse, and we will collect the answers and read them on next week's show. Anyway, so that's been our show. Let's go out with some plugs. Uh, who's got stuff? Obviously, Atari uh, 50, since Dan is not got, here to plug it again. plugs? Mm-hmm. Elon Musk. <laughs> lo- loving, all these, lo- loving all these old avatars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, also, uh, 302010 this week, Bram... Bram... Oh. JR mispronounced something, and I just turned... I, I thought of Bram Stroker Ace, and that's like <laughs> the greatest thing I've ever heard... <laughs> thought of in my life. It Only Matt maybe knows what I'm talking about. I Great know the Burt Reynolds movie. Yeah. Combined with the gayest Dracula ever. Could be amazing. <laughs> uh, we're talking about that. Harry Potter Chamber of Secrets and um, Lincoln and The Last Twilight, which is the stupidest fucking movie. Oh, man. That, and oh, I'm not I'm not an anti-Twilight man. person, but that, no, that, like, no. I, yeah, wait I to hear Diana I, I love Diana, her, her summation. This movie could have been an email. Could have been an email. <laughs> and I, I could not believe what she described to me. Rather than mm-hmm. watch that movie, listen to Diana yell about it. It's, yes. <laughs> as she calls it, it's not even a feminist killjoy rant. Like this, It's a movie that doesn't exist, <laughs> but they charge people money to see. It's so funny. Uh, and, and then uh, there's a new episode of Lazy Time Out. There should be a new Sick of Star Wars. Uh, uh, ending up Elm Street Nightmare with uh, Curse of Chucky. And Last Unicorn, we were doing 80s in depth based on like this being the anniversary of so many fantastic movies. Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom, Conan the Barbarian, Blade Runner, uh, Friday the 13th Part 3, Halloween 3, um, Secret of Nim, Tron. Oh, that that actually was my answer, by the way. Tron. Yeah. I was... Yeah, sure. I, I couldn't talk when Tron hmm. existed. But I've always loved the way it looked. I've always loved gaming being represented in movies, which, you know, took a while. Um, I mean, we all love Tron, right? Despite Tron, historically, being terrible. They're all bad games except for 2.0. They're all bad movies. They're all awesome. I won't go too long. This is a bit of a rip, but my my nostalgia for Tron gets even more complicated by the fact that on the People Mover at Disneyland... There was a Tron segment for years yes. and years that would play well. So at the time, as a kid, I'm like, oh, my God, that movie's so fucking old. It's ridiculous. I look back now as a man in his 40s, I go, that movie was only like six years old when that, when that shit was <laughs> happening. And I, as a kid, I, was, I would scoff, be like, oh, this is so old. This is ridiculous. Get the shit out of here. I think what I was trying to get at with that question was less, what are you nostalgic for that was before your time and more... You know, what is someone else's nostalgia that you find really fascinating? But that, that, that is what it is, because Tron should have died a regular death. But you hmm. and I, Michael, we used to just go to game conventions, especially those arcade conventions, and, like, Tron is very well represented. I oh, don't yeah. like either of those fucking games at all. Really? The, the arcade games. Do you? Yeah, I liked it at the time, yeah. I, no, I don't think they're very good games. Now, now it's like, oh, this is a minigame collection. Yeah, at the yeah, time, I, that was revolutionary. That hadn't really been done. Tron 2.0 is a good game. Tron Legacy is a movie I'll watch once a year that I know isn't good. Hmm. And, but it's all wrapped up in being a gamer and not feeling represented. And uh, back in a time... And if you're an animation historian, like, this CGI shit's going to ruin our animation business. They were right. 
But also, it, 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 they fought it so hard, it took another 15 years, blah, blah, blah. Tron. Tron. Tron is one of my things. And we should close out with one of my favorite songs. Journey's song from the 1990s. We will the Tron soundtrack. Huh? We won't. We don't close out with songs. I will <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I mean, we do. It's the same song every day. Yeah, but it's it's the, the theme song. But um, You might be hearing it right now. Maybe. I hope so. <laughs> I'm shutting up. I'm back with the mic. Uh, I, I had one plug. Uh, please play Sonic Frontiers. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! I'll second that plug. Yeah, me too. Uh, anyway, uh, as always, you can hopefully visit us online at vigigamepocalypse.com. Follow us on Twitter at VGApocalypse. Or follow me personally on Twitter at Wikiparas. That's W-I-K-I-P-A-R-A-Z. Anyway, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Way down yonder on the Chattahoochee. Never. Are we ready to go? Yeah. Okay. You singing Chattahoochee? Come on, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs>